0: And it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast.
1: Listening to the We Can't Wrestle Podcast.
0: Now it's time for our host, Nate Maxon. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle Podcast. Nate Maxon here with you. And I am joined, of course, by my brother Aaron. Hello. Hello, and the one and only Mr Archie Mitchell
2: is with us this week. Hold on, let me put out my sparkler. I might cause an explosion.
0: <laughs> there was an exploding there was an exploding bunk bed match <laughs> at Archie's house and <laughs> Yes. It was a
2: bigger explosion than there was last night on AEW, but
0: David Gold is still se- David Gold is still selling the sparklers. That's yes. what's going on right now. Yes. <laughs> well, this week ladies and gentlemen on the show, we are going to go back 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 in time and talk about the PW Torch year end awards from nineteen ninety two one of my favorite years in the history of pro wrestling, even though the business wasn't it was kind of failing that year, the wrestling business in general on its on its downturn uh, into the the very low attendance of like ninety three through ninety five I really thought and we'll we'll get deeper into it, but I really thought ninety two was a quality year for in ring action. Pay-per-views, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. So it's going to be interesting to talk about the year that was of 1992 here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Yep.
3: we're going to do, we're going to go over theirs and then say what ours were correct, or
2: vice versa. One All
3: of right. the two. Just was, I, I think we should do ours first and then see how we compared with. I
2: was very uh, biased and It was a lot of the same, so I'm going to be honest, but you know, yeah. it, it, I didn't it was a good year. Look- I
3: didn't look and see what Keller put up, so. No, I, I didn't mean, either. I just wanted to be surprised, surprised. or whatever. Well, it was actually, um,
0: those awards are voted on by readers. I don't know how many readers he had at the time, maybe six. <laughs> I don't know.
3: <laughs> or
2: more than that. You never know. I, well. I, I know that. I'm not saying well. Keller himself. I'm just saying. Hey, you know what I mean? Is it- his awards were better than what Dave Meltzer puts out for the Wrestling Observer nowadays. Hey, no kidding. <laughs> Everything was AEW this yeah. year. AEW, AEW, AEW. AEW promotion it. of the decade. We get it. We know who's paying your bills, Dave. We understand. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: also this week, we're going to have a match review um, of a what I thought was a really good match. Of course, I am a Memphis wrestling fan. It's Jerry the King Lawler versus Austin Idol. We'll get to that in just a moment as well. But first, I want to uh, start off by letting you know if you're listening to the show and you are not a member of our Facebook group, please do join the We Can't Wrestle Face We Can't Wrestle Podcast Facebook Group. Yes. And uh, some big things coming this year for the Weekend Wrestle podcast family. And we will elaborate more on that once I get my shit together with those big things. I'm not going to make any announcements just yet because I'm still figuring things out. But I promise you, folks, there is something big coming for the Weekend we'll, we we'll
3: Wrestle. Have, we'll, we'll have news about that by at least SummerSlam. <laughs> yes.
2: Yes. By at least we, SummerSlam.
3: We've been purchased by Peacock. <laughs> <sighs> I quit. <laughs>
0: actually, at this point, this at this point we'd be lucky to get purchased by Pluto TV. But we're working our way there, folks. Wait, I want Tubi. I want down there. Oh, oh, yeah, oh yeah, Tubi. Tubi. <laughs> Tubi. I, I actually really dig Pluto because oh, I you know Pluto's awesome. The Mystery Science Theater Channel. I watch the hell out of that, and I love the little game show network they have on mm-hmm. there. I like you know, you put some game shows on in the background when I'm working or whatever. None are awesome I like Pluto. They even have like a storage wars channel. I, I love, yeah. the ch- I love the channels they have, you know, like <laughs> not that I watch it, but it's like, wow, there's an entire Jersey shore. They,
2: channel. Yeah. <laughs> they, they have one when I first got it and I got really excited and it said, Lucha Libre, AAA Mexico. Mm. Like damn, I finally get to watch mm. Lucha Libre again. Cause I haven't, I haven't had the channel in forever. And then I went to it. And it's like matches from like eighteen years ago, and I'm like, yeah. "Damn, I don't <laughs> want to watch old Lucha Libre. I want to know what's going on currently."
0: <laughs> or the uh, the 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 Impact channel that they have on there that it's like the, it's like there's a two year span that they play shit from, and that's it. Yep, we're yep. shit on and the cheap, guys. It's not like you're paying for it. <laughs> right. True. True. It's free. And so. Pluto used to suck as a service too. It used to freeze all the time and everything, and it's so much better now. It's
2: grown with age
0: on yes.
2: my peacock. <laughs>
3: well, they're not paying us, so.
0: Yeah, I know.
3: <laughs> one day, one day. <laughs> maybe
0: maybe one day.
3: Well, that
0: being said, let's get the show started. And this week we have our, as everybody knows, a couple of months ago, I had posted the wrestling mixtape uh, post in the uh, We Can't Wrestle Facebook group. And we've been taking matches suggested by listeners that – uh Suggested these matches. And this week, our match suggestion came from friend of the show, author, and also podcast host of his own DeathCast, Mr. Ian Totten, suggested this match. And the match is from April 27th, 1987. It is Jerry the King Lawler and Austin Idol, hair versus hair. Overall, guys.
3: Speaking of Mr. Totten. Um, he did private message me because he's in Facebook jail and said that he couldn't um, comment with his critique of the match, but he did send it to me. So um, when we're done or in between, whatever, I can Kyle. I can read what I can
2: read what he wrote.
1: Oh, there's Big Kyle. Hey, what's going on, guys? Kyle's Ladies here. We're and about-
2: gentlemen, the forgotten son of the Weekend <laughs> Wrestle Podcast, Mr. Kyle Army. Not we-
0: right, not Riker Steven... Kyle, whatever that fucking guy's name is, um, Kyle, welcome back yes. to
3: your show. Are you prepared? Do you know what we're doing? No.
2: What are do we doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, wait. Well, I have I have a bone to pick before we start anything. He left and he came back with sleeves. That ain't that ain't gonna fly here, buddy. <laughs> there Ew. we go. That that's better. No, no. There we go.
0: Good oh. thing this is an that's audio good. show. Yep. Kyle, Kyle is stripping. Um, well, what we're doing right now, Kyle, to start off is we're reviewing Austin Idol and Jerry Lawler in the hair versus hair match from 1987. And then when we come back from the break, after that, we're going to discuss 1992 year end pro wrestling torch awards. So you wouldn't have really had to prepare for that. You can just, uh, follow along and give your thoughts, but, uh, Kyle hasn't been on in a while. We're glad to have him.
1: I look, I, I, sent a message you guys. I took a fucking sabbatical from pro wrestling for about a month because I was like, I just need to get away from it. Maybe I'll come back in with open eyes and a newfound love for it. And wouldn't you know, the fucking first show back was fucking AEW. Bad right. choice, man. I could have told you that before you even tuned in.
2: <sighs> the fuck what did I, I- talk about it? You
1: know what? <laughs> fuck! What the fuck did I watch?
2: <laughs> well, guess what? It was like a kid's birthday party on Fourth of July.
1: <laughs>
2: Who's it for? Well, those, are
1: <laughs> those are fun. Not <laughs> fun. But if it's sports entertainment, who is it for?
2: <laughs> like, for the elite, for Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes and Young Bucks.
0: Thanks to I- Ian. Thanks to Ian Totten's suggestion. Archie, Kyle and I, Archie, Aaron and I got to watch a actual wrestling match this right. week. Um, again, Jerry Lawler and Austin Idol, hair versus hair, the Mid South Coliseum, Memphis, Tennessee. That's Lawler land, baby. And these guys have a hair versus hair match. And
3: overall, what a great match. It was
0: what a great
2: match.
3: It's on and you guys can Nate, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but this is like the earliest saying that I've seen where the cage was all the way around the the perimeter of the of the
2: ring, if that makes sense. I noticed so, that too. Was that was that like one of the first times they did that?
3: Uh probably. So that may,
0: probably when
1: did that, when,
3: like close. not not, count, not counting that when the WCW did that or NWA did that Tower of Doom thing. That but but mm-hmm. that might have been after eighty seven. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that but was eighty. That was
2: ninety-one.
3: No, there was a different one they did with. Oh, they like, know. Oh, yeah, oh, okay. Nate knows what I'm talking about. But this this yeah, is the earliest was... I can remember. Me too. And I, and it, there's obvious reasons they did it. When you get into the right. match later on, why they mm-hmm. did it. But it, it's the first time I remember seeing it, or first time I, looking back that I see that happen.
1: You know. You know what's funny about this? This is a stipulation, and how. How funny it is, and it, it's not lost on me the fact that we're talking about a stipulation match that they can actually follow through with. Mm-hmm. And back in this yeah. day, they put their hair on the line, and that was enough to sell a ticket.
2: Yeah, yep. yeah.
1: You had a fucking exploding ring match, and they couldn't follow through. Who the fuck was going to believe that that was going to follow through?
0: At one point, in, at one point in Memphis, Bill Dundee's wife put her hair on the line. That's yeah, how hardcore I
3: mean, that shit got. Yeah, you know, and, they bought, and they bought a house with it. <laughs>
0: yeah, the payoff. Well, the <laughs> the uh, the the biggest thing, the biggest uh, takeaway from the beginning, I was like, "Yeah, I'm listening to Lance Russell. goddammit. it, listen to Lance Russell. Lawler call a match in the Mid South Coliseum. How awesome is that?" But he's um, with Randy Hales. Yeah, unfortunately, he's with Randy Hales. Who does but Randy Hales know is.
3: and why does and how does he probably know <laughs> he, he has to know where the bodies are buried. That's the only reason <laughs> Randy Hales
2: stayed employed I love from forever. I, I love the beginning was um, hearing Lance yell. And all idols trying to tell us that he thought his manager Paul Dangerly was gonna be in the ring with him. And I'm sitting there going, Really? he actually thought that was gonna fly? <laughs> like who thinks yeah, my manager's just gonna chill in the ring. Don't worry about it. It's okay.
0: And we also yeah. we also mentioned we also mentioned when we were in our group chat earlier that yep. none of us had really recalled that they they actually in Memphis at this time they called him Paul E. Dangerly. Not Dangerly. dangerously. Yep. Paul E. Dangerly. And I even went back to jog my memory to make sure. And in the Memphis in the Memphis Archives YouTube page, that is what his name is. It's not it's so oh, Lance Russell was not misspeaking here. It was Paul E. Right. Dangerly. I,
2: I asked you about it today. I was like, did he, did he did he he did it the whole match? So was it on purpose or was that, it because you know in that territory nobody can fucking pronounce
1: dangerously? So <laughs> not...
2: <laughs> no, I think Paul Paulie watched the movie with Michael Keaton. Was like, I like that last name. I think I'm gonna. Oh, well, that's how he it. got the gimmick. So like, yeah, because they you know, said he looked like Michael Keaton. But, um, on what planet?
0: <laughs> Johnny Dangerously is one of the funniest movies. Oh, my god, ever yeah.
2: made. My mother hung me once.
0: My mother once. hung me on the hook once, Johnny. Once. Once. You fargan, sneaky bastard. You fargan, <laughs> you bastards. Farg- <laughs> I'm gonna rip off your bile and shove them up your ice hole. <laughs> yeah. Roman Moroni continues to murder the English, the English language. language. <laughs> <laughs> Or when he's rolling down the hill. Oh
3: my, my God! Oh, uh, anyway, sorry, off the rails again. Back to uh, the instantly
1: match.
3: Instantly. instantly. Some, some, oh. some, something else I was going to ask, and and um, I don't know how you, I don't Nate Arch Kyle. I don't know how you guys would feel about this, but Austin Idol, okay, uh, mm-hmm. became a homesteader after his plane crash because he didn't want to fly and do all that shit. Mm-hmm. And I that's totally understandable. If I lived through a plane crash, I'd never want to get on a motherfucking plane ever again in the rest of my life. But if that wouldn't have happened, I think Austin Idol would have been a much bigger star than what he is.
0: I I agree with uh, that I statement. Know. I agree with that statement. Although I think Austin Idol, and you, you may you may think it's weird that I say this. <laughs> Because of the gimmick and everything. But I think Austin Idol would have been super successful in WCW, not so yes. much the WWF. I agree. Well,
3: you know, I'm just saying but that WCW was a national company, so he would have been a bigger star than what he was just chilling in Memphis.
1: You know what I'm I saying? Think, like, he I would have been agree would agree a big Nate. deal.
2: I think I agree with Nate because, I mean, yeah, Austin Idol was great. Great athlete, great, great talent, muscular. But it looked like he was a hybrid of Jesse Ventura, Superstar Billy Graham, and Hulk Hogan. So, one of those guys would have bitched to Vince and been like, he's got to change his gimmick. That was what ended up with, like, a black-haired, slim down Austin Idol that wouldn't have played well. Here's, you know? the, here, here's the biggest problem that I have with Austin Idol.
1: I like him. He's fantastic. problem is that he gets lost In Well. Every- going on at the time because you had all those guys they looked the
2: same well i mean i agree with kyle on that uh it was and it was with all the bigger names that were out at that time even if they didn't have the same look no one really goes back and goes austin idol was great you know if you're having a mm-hmm. conversation of great workers or great characters he's like the last person you're going to remember as you call down a, a list of Most, names.
0: Mostly because he
3: didn't get the national exposure.
2: Right. That's what I'm saying. Right. If he
3: would have got out there, I think he would have been a bigger deal.
1: But I will say this. You, you look at, like, Jerry Lawler, the same the same type of thing. And, yeah, he ended up coming to WWF, but it, I think it's because he didn't look like everybody else. Right. is the reason why he got the chance to be.
2: In- mm-hmm.
1: I, he was I, unique. Yeah, that's the problem. Is that especially at this time, everybody was like, this is "How you have to be if you're a pro wrestler?" They're following the you know the Ric Flair or the Hulk Hogan or the Lex fucking right. like you know carbon copy. This is what a pro wrestler is.
0: It's why Jerry Lawler not 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 just the only reason, but his personality mixed with the fact that the average guy would sit out in the audience and see this average-looking guy that was kicking ass and taking names just like they wanted to. You know? well,
3: uh, that's even in my notes. It says, it's amazing how this pudgy, hairy man <laughs> captured an entire city and owned it and still pretty much does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and, and also, the other thing about Lawler is... Has- I, understand, I understand what you're saying about Austin. I don't know that, but the other great thing about Lawler is since he wasn't like this big jacked up muscular looking guy, he was like a, I mean, he's not an average dude. No, I but mean, he's a bigger body, guy, you know, but, but right. not being muscular, not having that physique and all of that. that. Um, since he didn't have that, he, he never aged. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so even when he was 50 years old, it still looked like he still looked like he looked when he was like thirty-five years old. So it didn't look like some old man was in the ring trying to do this. Until thing. he
2: had that heart attack on Raw, he was still able to go in the ring and still able to pull off what he would pull it off when he was in his thirties. Well, and then too, also, yeah, think it's
1: he's also has the the attribute that like honky tonk man has or guys like that, where it's somebody in the crowd looks at him and says, "I can, I can take him." Right. <laughs> what, yeah. You know, like that fucking right there is.
0: So my next note on the match, Lawler's punches are so good. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe what? I bet Lawler, and, and this is of wrestling that I've seen. Obviously, I've seen a little bit of Johnny Valentine. Um, Law, I'd say Lawler, Johnny Valentine. Terry Funk. Uh,
3: Nate, I know somebody, you hate him. There, I know, there was Nate, somebody Nate else. Nate, you're going you Ronnie, Ronnie to say Ronnie Garvin. And, and he I needs to be on the list. But there
0: was somebody else that I was thinking of too, and I can't remember. It doesn't matter. But Lawler's up there with the best looking punches in wrestling history. And I he, agree. When he lands a punch, it looks like he's landing a punch. And you know what? I bet it felt like a pillow because he's a pro.
3: And I also put in, and and you guys are maybe going to look at me weird, but Lawler's fantastic, and I would, even though he came before this guy, if I was going to compare, like, Jerry Lawler to somebody, like face Jerry Lawler to somebody in the ring, you know, I'd compare him to Hulk Hogan. For Memphis, yeah.
2: because Yeah, he was the Hogan of Memphis.
3: Well, it's it's not even the fact that he was, like, this – Big baby, it, I'm talking like in the ring, because face Lawler will sell and sell and yep. sell, and it, like he might start the match hot and in charge, but something's gonna happen and the heel's gonna fuck him, and then he sells for like 20 minutes. Oh yeah, and then he finally makes that comeback, and then it's like the strap down, the strap down is like bogan oh, yes, going Hogan. you, you know, right? And right. and and, and I, I really think that I really think that Lawler. I think Hogan kind of learned that from Lawler when when Hogan was in Memphis, in my opinion. I think he saw what Jerry Lawler did and was like, you know what? After he became a face, he was like, I'm gonna Lawler this shit. You know what I mean? I'll sell, I'll sell, I'll sell. Maybe right, make the big comeback.
1: Well, and here's the here's a big the thing that I've kind of noticed about modern wrestling and and you know this era of wrestling, guys like Hulk Hogan, like Jerry Lawler, like Dusty Rhodes. They aren't playing to a fucking camera. They're playing to that glass guy in the fucking the nosebleed section, right? Mm -hmm. Every punch, you know, it's gonna. It it doesn't matter if you're in the nosebleed sections. You're gonna see it. You're gonna feel it, just like taking off the you know the shoulder straps and everything else. That that's I think the biggest problem for wrestling today is people. They're playing to the TV, not (laughs) to the actual.
2: they're trying to pop the fans nowadays for the wrong reasons, like a kickout. Uh, how many kickouts were there last night? In my, in our time of wrestling, in the match we watched, Austin Idol versus Jerry Lawler, there was maybe five near falls in the whole match, and the match went 25 minutes. But
1: The problem is, Archie, that, that now the, the only moves that are over is their signature moves. The right. And they, everybody's kicking out of them, so it's really not over. Last night, how many... You know, Superkick isn't fucking special anymore. Nope. A headlock nope. Isn't special anymore. A DDT isn't special anymore.
0: Nope. And uh, kind of relaying to that, what I have on my notes here, you guys just brought up, you know, modern stuff. Uh, Austin Idol gets rammed into the cage here, and he blades early in this match. Okay, and he's bleeding. And that Personal is, sleep. there should never be a cage match without blood. And if your policy is we don't bleed. Then don't have cage matches. Don't have
2: any kind of gimmick matches that involve a weapon.
0: It is yes. This and this was re, this looked realistic because if if I ram your head into a steel pipe or a fence, you're it's gonna, gonna open bleed. Up. Yep. And and that's the point. This looks like a fight, not ballet. It looks like and these two it, guys are fighting. He,
2: he didn't just nick himself to get a little bit of blood, Nate. It was on his arm. It was on Lawler. It was on the ref. That's I, look. I don't believe people should have to bleed like a stuffed pig. But mm-hmm. if you're gonna blade and you're gonna bleed, do it the right way that it's believable. Not that like you just nick yourself and put spit and on it. it and and rub even and even Nate, even, Nate R- even R- hold
0: on.
3: Even Hulk Hogan bled in every
0: right. cage match he was in. Right, and, right. and, and but, I
3: agree with what you're saying. But like one of my favorite matches of all time is um, Bret Hart and Owen Hart from SummerSlam '94, and they're in a cage. But they and don't. They don't bleed. They don't miss. They. You know, Brett was, they told Brett and Owen, you guys aren't allowed to bleed. So Brett and Owen didn't use the cage as a weapon. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like they didn't, if you're, gonna, if you're not going to bleed in a cage, then don't be bashing each other off of it every five right. seconds right. or whatever. Right. And that's right. not yeah, what I mean, Owen and Brett used it for. Owen and Brett used it as, okay, we're going to sell this match
2: as it's keeping the family out. Right. It's keeping the family out so we could stay in. Right. Yeah,
1: right. I think. The, they, the, oh. the WWE doesn't want them to use blood because it's barbaric. My God, we can't have people cut their heads. But yet they're fine with fucking Brock Lesnar going out there and hard weighing somebody. Right. Well, that's mm-hmm. fucking stupid. Like, I would much rather... There's a reason why that people fucking blade in, in pro wrestling. Because I guarantee you it's a hell of a lot easier and a lot less painful than having to get fucking punched.
2: Taking the elbow, an elbow Dustin, the hard way to the head. <laughs>
1: Dustin Rhodes, perfect example. I don't know if you guys have watched his uh, Inside the Ropes interview, but he talks mm-hmm. about being in the in the, uh, in the Hollywood backlot rod with uh, Ronnie Piper, and they tell him you can't get blood. So he tells fucking Piper, "Fucking hit me right here on the fucking uh, eyebrow and bust me open." Right. Mm-hmm. What happens? Piper breaks his fucking hand trying to fucking do it. <laughs>
0: But he wanted to get the blood, and
1: let's not. You can't play though because
0: Lawler Lawler controls the first part of this match, and then, um, but she, uh, uh, yes, and and again, it looks like a fight, and then Austin Idol cracks him with a foreign object to turn the tide in the match, and then we go back and forth in the middle of the match. The match progresses. You know, you progressively get.
2: They danced uh, The action they danced through the whole yes. match. It was the a nice, builds. solid dance.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You Two know. pros um, having a hell of a good wrestling match.
2: Um, you know, Nate, this it- is what I'm missing from wrestling nowadays, and I'll say this match. Someone once said that wrestling and boxing is like a game of chess. We each take a turn making a move. And if my move doesn't look legit enough, then it throws it all off. That's what this match was. It was a chess match between two men who couldn't stand each other and were having a legit fight, according to the Memphis audience. That's what made this match so good. You had two guys who were, okay, you're going to beat the crap out of me for 10 minutes, and then I'm going to beat the crap out of you for five minutes, but then you're going to do something underhanded and beat the crap out of me for the duration.
0: And everything we do is going to look like a fight, and it's going to be logical. Right. And And, and then you add the credibility of the announcer, and I'm going to tell you this right now. Yep. The the announcer is, okay, the referee is the third man in the ring. The announcer is the fourth man that makes the match on TV. Because Without a doubt. there's a ref bump here inside a steel cage match. And the minute that happens, instead of just screaming like they would now, the referee is down! And me going, why does that matter? Why? Lance Russell takes the time to explain why that is significant. Because okay. if the referee, yes, this is no disqualification, but if the referee is down, Austin Idol can't pin Lawler. So he can't win the match or vice versa. Yes. He, he takes the time. You know what I'm saying? He takes the time to be an analyst and let you know why that is significant.
1: And here's the biggest thing about it too, is the fact that in my, in my opinion, and I think anybody that like knows pro wrestling and watched this for as long as we have, the face is always going to have the upper hand on the heel. Mm -hmm. Always walks in there and the heel. Knows that that face is going to beat the shit out of them. And it's only when the heel does something heelish that he gets the upper hand, because he wouldn't have to do that if he could beat the face. Right, exactly. Right. exactly.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but everybody's too concerned with being a cool heel now, and it's like, no, I want that shit heel. Like,
0: mm-hmm. Aaron, any new notes? But where we're at in the match here, we're to the ref bump.
1: No, you guys All are doing right. good. And that's-
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah. I've done this a few times. <laughs>
3: like I said, my is- one compliment
1: of the show. After this, <laughs> I'm just gonna be shitting on everybody. I understand that it's no disqualification, but like maybe the point of a ref bump is it should be sold as like, oh fuck! Now the ref's down. Now that heel can do anything he
2: right. Can mm-hmm. And there's no, oh. and it also makes both the guys in the ring in parallel because now when Austin Idol's going for the pin, he can't win. Same with Jerry Lawler. So now they're on equal footing. Well, I can't win and you can't win. So we just got to beat the shit out of each other for, for a little longer. Well, it's the perfect example of the greatest, <laughs> the
1: greatest heel and the greatest bad guy of all, or the greatest. Guy, right. Batman Joker. Mm-hmm. Batman's not going to kill a Joker because of his morals. The same with the good face. Like they're not going to cheat, not going to, you know.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. They need each other. It's the yin and the yang. Um, Lawler hits a Lawler. I'll say it like uh, Lance Russell does. Lawler. Lawler, hits, Lawler hits a fucking hell of a pile driver on, on Austin Idol here. And then Tommy Rich comes in to interfere. As from out of nowhere because Lance
2: and, Russell cannot I, figure out
0: where I, and he that's from. another That's another thing that I was going give, to give a huge credit to Lance Russell. From the minute Tommy Rich hits the ring to the minute we fade to black. As an investigative he's, reporter, he is still, he, trying he's to figure like, it out. Where did Rich come from?
2: Where did Rich were, come from? I can't wait to see the replay because I want to see where Tommy Rich Yeah,
0: Where from. the fuck did Rich come from? <laughs> 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 Uncle Uncle Lance is about to start swearing here, like, Not God,
1: it, Before we get to that, but I want to. Oh, gosh, shot. I, I don't know, Lance. <laughs> I want to iterate the fucking pile driver. Good God. I don't know if it's... Well, I know what it is. It's because people sold it like it was fucking devastating. Right.
0: And in reality, if you're talking about the way that a move looks or the way that a move... You know, Dr. Sam Shepard, you know, he, he, he invented the mandible claw because he knew how the human body worked and he knew where that vein was and et cetera, et cetera. A good wrestling move, when used well in a wrestling match... That's the point. Is it makes sense? Like you would never nowadays. And I don't want to get off on the on the current product thing, but nowadays, eh, two, three, four, five, six pile drivers a match. You know,
2: if they let them, because it's they, not really legal. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. It, it,
0: I, drive, get, I guess so. I should say. I, get, I guess I should say moves with the impact of a pile driver.
2: Right. You know, in this, in and this is it's
3: like and it's and it's like Jimmy Cornette said. Jimmy Cornette said on multiple occasions. That if the person doing the fucking pile driver knows what they're doing, it's one of the safest moves in rest. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like like he 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 said hundreds of times he'd rather take a fucking pile driver from like Jerry Lawler than like, you know, a torture rack from Lex Luger, because Lex Luger don't know what the fuck he's doing, you know? <laughs> right. That's how, you, you, right. Know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I mean he didn't say Lex Luger, but I'm just using that as an example, you know, like right. no, of course. And 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 the reason the pile driver's not fucking allowed anymore is because guys are going out there going a hundred fucking
2: miles an hour and not being safe. Mm -hmm. When you, you know, here's the thing. Lawler, taker guys who use that move, Kevin Sullivan. uh, it, It looks believable when they do it because it makes me question, hey, did that guy really just hit his head? You know what I mean? Like when Austin got paralyzed by Owen, from the tombstone he delivered I didn't know Austin hit his head Because I thought it was protected Because I've always known throughout all the years of wrestling Protect the head mm. When they said he got paralyzed I said oh wow this was the one time that it really didn't You know it was real That was the great thing about Waller. He delivered it and made it look real Although he had never hurt anybody Doing that
0: move And his pile driver Almost looks like the most dangerous one ever Because of the way he falls into it Yep it looks like he's just taking this guy and carelessly dropping his fucking head on the mat. Right, and the legs and, are
2: straight. Always, yes. He always yeah, had his his, of, so it looked but, like all this, the weight was coming down on the guy's spine into the neck. Mm-hmm. And how, how appropriate is it? That the, the move
1: that always looked the most devastating was the one that, you know, it's, again, it's, it's selling to the guy in the fucking nosebleed. Yep. Another perfect example is when Brett would do the fucking uh, figure four around the ring post.
0: Mm-hmm mm-hmm
1: it, it had to look it had to look
0: after tommy rich with the interference uh well, they kind of messed up the spike pile driver here i didn't know a little but it looked like lawler
2: kind of keeled over instead of being put down but i mean there was a lot going on so you yep. really can't blame them for making one botch
0: austin idol gets the one two three on lawler and then here is here is something important Again, as Lance Russell is harping on, I don't I still don't know how Rich got in there. Real quick. Real quick. And, oh, go ahead.
1: About that spike driver, I almost prefer that sometimes. Well, because you want it to look like the guy's fighting out of it a well, little not, bit more than usual. If every single time a move looks, you know, perfectly fucking done, it doesn't look like a real fight.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you would have oh. saw this, Kyle, this
1: is pretty bad. What? <laughs> <laughs> a while, here it's been But still, though, it's like, that's the thing. Like, the problem is a lot of wrestling today looks choreographed. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, a lot. Most. You know, and uh, like I said, granted, like I said, I've seen this match and it's been a while, but maybe I'm forgetting how bad it really was. But like, to me, if I see that, it's like, oh, fuck, like, it wasn't this isn't two people fucking working together to fucking put this move on. This is, you know,
0: the, these two guys. Yeah. These two guys and this one guy, excuse me, these two guys have the advantage on this one guy and he doesn't want to be in this position. He's right. not helping them set it up, yep. you know? Um, But here's what I was going to say. The, the so important here, especially in an area like Memphis with a wrestler like Jerry Lawler, And Archie, you tell me what you think if you think I'm spot on here. Here's why the end of this was perfect. And Aaron, you too. It was perfect because Rich and Idol did not immediately go into shaving Lawler's head. Oh, no, they wa- no! They walked around the ring. They jawjacked the fans. They, they, beat, know, up the beat, they beat up the referee. They built the anticipation of the crowd. The crowd's almost thinking, yep. oh, maybe it won't happen to Lawler, you know? And then... Wait, even when
3: they got him on the chair, they still were like, ah, let's kick
0: the yeah, shit out of him again. Yeah, you know, let's like, beat him up I again. I ain't
2: been beat up properly
0: yet. <laughs> and and then credit,
2: is sitting there taking his ass whipping.
0: And then, and most importantly, they delivered on the stipulation... And they cut Jerry Lawler's hair, yep. and that's probably another reason they made it a cage match, so those people could not rush the ring, <laughs> because you know the Memphis fans and Jerry Lawler. Even in 1987, it was still real to them.
2: Damn it! I I forgot. Oh, Billy would believe, work. man. <laughs> billie's believe. I forgot which announcer it was, but I I think it it might have been Joey Styles on an episode of ECW, a later episode. They had a hair versus hair match, and like a month before, it was Triple H versus Kevin Nash in the WWF for a hair versus hair match. And Styles said on the mic, a hair versus hair match means that you get your hair, your head shaved bald, not that you get a fun new hairdo. That's what was <laughs> great about this match. Lawler didn't get to have like a shaved head and look mm-hmm. cool like he just got out of the army. He actually got his head Shamed. Yes. It, they actually delivered on their promise, which is always great. Rather than it just be, hey, we're going to give you a fade in the back and a little shape up in the front. Don't worry about it. You're going to look cool tomorrow when you walk out in front of the fans.
0: Well, I got to tell you, guys, overall, I thought this was great. I mean, I've seen this match quite a few times, but watching it to analyze it for the show was uh, really good. And, and I actually I give, this, I give this match four out of five stars.
2: Same. I give it four as well. I agree. I it, agree. Delivered, it delivered on all cylinders. It was what it was supposed to be. And like you guys, I saw the, this is the first time I saw the match and I seen it was 30 minutes long on YouTube. I'm like, okay, good. I'll, I'll watch it. And, and then the last 10 minutes, like you said, Nate, were them kicking Lawler's ass and just trying mm-hmm. to shave his head. So I'm like, oh, okay. So the match was really only like 15 minutes long, but if they I actually believe, delivered like, 30 minutes.
3: And I believe folklore is that uh, they did the ball shot thing on the, on the pole because Lawler was going to go get snipped. Oh, and and they even used like like Lawler had him go through and um, like film his vice- his vasectomy and use it as like um, yeah they um, used it use like surgery, surgery
1: coverage for wow the, for his
3: testicle yep. and all this shit yeah so this thing there was a lot to this um do we have any more to review on it no we do not okay well if you guys don't mind I'll uh. Go ahead and read what uh, Ian said, since it was his sure. match. Right thank, you, thank, Rick, thank, thank,
0: thank you, Mr. You, Cotton, for uh, giving us
3: a good match to watch, brother. All right. Uh, this is from Ian. Um, I'm going to share my thoughts on the Lawler slash Idol match with you here, because I'm still in Facebook jail. This is my absolute favorite cage match. The buildup is tremendous, and even though I hate Paulie in every facet, he was excellent here. Idol was so good in this match, it might be the best thing he ever did. Tommy Rich was great as well. The finish of this match was masterfully done. Lawler bleeding and pretty much unconscious in the chair while the heels play it up before shaving his head. Then the heat from the crowd with them surrounding the cage, maybe the last real heat in wrestling where someone's life was actually in danger. If you've and then he says, like if you've never seen this match or this entire angle, this video is it which I I know what video he's talking about on Facebook, there's this deal that somebody has like an hour and a half of like all the shit that led up to mm-hmm. this match. But that's that's Ian's take on the match, and we appreciate him, for one, being well, yes, also, do. he's been well, one of our first ones. Was it, was it, and, was, and what was his name again? Ian Totten. Totten.
1: He, oh, I thought you said Ian Rotten. I was not gotten, but... No, not Ian no, no, that no not, Axel's not Axel's write. brother. Not Axel's
2: brother.
3: He can't spell and write.
2: And put Ian a Rotten together.
0: Ian, <laughs> Ian Ian Rotten wouldn't know a good match if it broke out in front of him. Although Nate and and and
2: Aaron are about to become very close to Ian Rotten because they're getting to that point. In well, Australia. I just
0: I, I just said on uh, reliving the extreme this week, Ian Rotten looks like what it would look like if a pile of dirty laundry was a human.
2: So uh, good call. Good call. Yeah.
0: But thank you, Ian, not Rotten, Totten, Totten for rotten. Uh, for suggesting this match. And check out Ian, the Death Cast. Check out his podcast as well, uh, looking into the macabre and things like that. It's a very cool show, and he does have a Facebook group for that as well. So join up there. Because he the admin. <laughs> Arch, Archie, Archie is the Swiss Army admin. Yes,
1: he is. Only <laughs> an admin in three. Three groups. I don't know where this folklore came around that I'm an admin in 300 groups. Actually, Archie, uh, I, I'm thinking about starting an OnlyFans. Would you be my admin for that?
2: Can I get naked?
1: I mean, if you want to. All okay. right, we're going to take a break while well, these two
2: oil each other up
3: or whatever's going on
1: here.
0: <laughs> we'll take a break when we come well, the
1: back. The fan
3: I want to see of you is behind you, buddy. <laughs> see, I'm just saying.
0: When we return... We will be discussing the year of 1992 and professional wrestling going through the Pro Wrestling Torch <laughs> year-end awards from 92. We'll be right back after this with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast.
1: Woo! The We Can't Wrestle podcast. The king listens to it. WWE
2: Hall of Famer Jerry the King Lawler and you better listen to it too. My friend Nate and the We Can't Wrestle
0: podcast. All right everyone, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate, Aaron, and Archie are here with you. As we went to our break, Kyle decided he was—he's uh, a big man, so he needed some fast food. So he'll be back when he can. He'll be back in the show. But uh, sure. we are—we are going to be discussing. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm not going to speak for you guys. The last time we did one of these, the Pro Wrestling Torch Awards, we did '97, which is my favorite year in pro wrestling history. And one of my other favorite years in pro wrestling history is 1992. And it's up there for me. Okay, we're going to discuss the Pro Wrestling Torch Newsletter Awards for 1992, and then of course our suggestions or our um, picks for these different categories. And let's start with the the, the port the
3: porch the Pro Wrestling porch <laughs> the pro- <laughs>
2: Here's that's Sparky. Be, that's Here's be, sparky,
3: sparky. That's gonna be my <laughs> news. Uh, Tom the, the Pro Wrestling Porch, I think, is uh that's uh isn't that uh Midwest independent star Tom Stevie's <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. yes,
4: yes podcast Who inside joke.
0: Inside joke, folks. And Kyle is with us now.
1: Great Scott. Justin to Great I, Scott. Did you bring I, me my baconator boy? Marty, there's something wrong with your kids. I think pro wrestling today is actually good. <laughs>
2: they're trying to cancel Eminem and Mr. Potato Head. There we go.
0: Kyle, like I explained to the guys, what we will do is I will uh, give the award here for 1992 for the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter, year-end awards. And uh, you guys can give – we'll all give our picks for who we thought once should have won the award for that year.
3: A a little make a list, so
0: a little. He (laughs) He can come off the top. He he can work on a fly here.
2: Yeah.
0: So the first award for 1992 for uh, the Pro Wrestling Torch Year End Awards is MVP of 1992. And before I give what the readers of the Torch went with, let me go here. We'll start first with Archie. Who is your MVP for
2: 1992? It's got to be the Woo Nature Boy. In my opinion, Ric Flair in 92, having came into the WWF, uh, led led on every category, and he fired on all cylinders, whether it was a promo, a match with Jumping Jim Powers, or, you know, being in the main event of WrestleMania. Didn't matter. Aaron? Uh, Bret Hart. Okay. Um,
3: Bret Hart was... um, in my opinion, probably the best wrestler in North America in 1992. I know that's probably saying a lot, but in my opinion, that's the way it was. And I think that in 92, Brett became Brett, if that makes sense.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Good point. Kyle, what would you say? Who was the
0: MVP of 1992? Not necessarily best wrestler, but you know, just the MVP, the most valuable player in 92.
1: In 1992, I know what, there's a great art, but I got Ric Flair as well.
0: Kyle is also going with Ric Flair, and I can see why you'd say that. Now, I kind of mine, to be honest with you guys. I have a different pick than everybody else. Okay. I, went, I went with Randy Savage for 1992. Okay. Still um, the pick? He had a very solid he had a very solid year. Um, finished up his feud with with Jake Roberts. Had a, a great match at WrestleMania with Flair. We'll get to that later. Um, he even pulled a good match out of the Warrior at SummerSlam that year. Yep. yep. And uh, and then you know just in general, I think I think Randy had a great year in '92. Um, here's who the Torch Readers picked for MVP of 1992.
2: Can I take a guess? Sure. Is it Sting?
3: No,
0: Sting's oh. not here.
2: Sting's not here. Some
3: some Japanese guy. No, okay. number
0: three. Number three was Bret Hart. Okay. Number two was Rick Rude, who I think uh, had a super 1992. He did. He did. And number one was Ric Flair. Woo! Um, but yeah, I mean.
3: You well, can't argue people can be wrong sometimes. It's okay <laughs> <laughs> you,
0: you can't you can't argue with with the royal rumble ninety two for flair um well well, we'll get into the matches and stuff later. the mVP one I don't want to dig into it too much because it'll kind of spoil our opinions for the rest of the the awards. so let's just roll on to best wrestler, best overall wrestler of nineteen ninety two archie start us off.
2: Well, I, I said this in the beginning part of the show that a lot of my list was kind of biased,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: again, I, I went with Ric Flair because, as I said about what the MVP, he was getting good matches out of everybody he was in the ring with at this time. Uh, you know, whether it was Jim Powers on an episode of Superstars, whether it was Jim Knighthard, which Nighthard was a great talent. I'm not, you know, putting anything past him, right? But Ric Flair was the end all be all of the WWE at this time considering you had guys like Randy Savage, Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan, Undertaker, Jake Roberts. Flair was always at the front of the card. So I go with Flair for best wrestler.
0: And, you know, some of the performances that I'm just going to say it. He was also my, my draw for best wrestler
2: of the year. Yes.
0: Yes. Um, But some of the performances with, I mean, that match at WrestleMania eight with Randy Savage. They
2: Um, told a story, boy. It was um, awesome.
0: absolutely. Um, also, you know, getting to Saskatoon. Aaron was talking about when this is the year Brett became Brett. That Saskatoon yep. match is fantastic. Yep. Um, and like Archie said, Flair, when he got in the ring with anybody in the WWF, from the lowliest jobber to the main eventiest main eventer. Yep. Other than the matches he had with Hogan, apparently in Oakland, that sucked. Right. That but, was our um, house
2: show. Thank God we never got to see
0: him. Yeah. Um, Aaron, who was your pick for best wrestler of 1992? Bret Hart.
3: I kind of spoiled it when I said that I thought Bret was doing the best work in 92. Bret was the man in 92, man. Like, he was having great matches with everybody. I mean, oh, yeah. Flair, Flair was fantastic, don't get me wrong, but you're saying like, oh, well, Flair had this match in Oakland with with, with Hogan, you know, and it was kind of a turkey and this, that, and this but fucking Brett was on fire in 92. And I just, if a little kid, me was just like, oh, fucking Brett's the man. Yeah. I mean, you had he Brett. Had, and he had great, he, he had great run in 92 and I just, he had
0: the, he had the big match with Piper the great match with Piper at WrestleMania. eight. He did he the, did. the match with Davey boy at SummerSlam. Um, Hell, he even, even if matches
2: with the Mountie. We're
0: well, I mean, he even has and the, the on the pretty much. Uh, I mean, other than when it was resurrected in 2008 or whatever, on the last Saturday night's main event in '92, he had a really really good match with Papa Shango.
3: Yep. Yeah. Um, Brett and Sean at fucking Survivor Series. Yeah. The, the forgotten Survivor Series, like the weirdest Survivor <laughs> yeah, Series in the history of Survivor Series. Brett and Shawn, man, fucking. They they saved that turkey. That's one of the worst paper reviews ever broadcast. They fucking saved. It.
2: It's, Kyle, it's, who is Oh, go ahead, Archie. It's easy to say say neither one of them were having sunny days just yet. Oh. oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, who was your pick for who would be your pick for best wrestler of nineteen
1: ninety two? I'm gonna go And I know I said the MVP is the player.
0: Right. Well, and the MVP and the best wrestler aren't necessarily going to oh, be the same guy. No, but... You know, there's there's years where Hulk Hogan would be the MVP, but he was not definitely the best wrestler.
1: Right. Rick, he... How do I want to put this? Rick Flair, because of the Royal Rumble and everything, you know, I per- personally think he made the Royal Rumble special.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, you can say what you want to say about WrestleMania uh, 7, or not 7, 8, that it's, you know, really psycho Or
0: I love WrestleMania 8. I but, do too.
1: But here's the thing, like, for all intents and purposes, that was the title match, Rick Flair versus Randy Savage.
2: Should have been the main event.
1: Should have been the main event. And, but Bret Hart, overall, throughout the entire year, I mean, you look at SummerSlam, you look at just anything, as Aaron said, well, Aaron eloquently put, you know, Survivor Series. Mm -hmm.
4: I don't
1: want to say Flair was on the the downspin of his career, but Brett was definitely
2: on the ups. Oh, without a doubt.
1: So, um,
0: here's what the Torch readers voted for Best Wrestler of 1992. Number three. Shawn Michaels. Coming on up. Shawn Michaels. Number two, Bret Hart. And number one, Ric Flair. Woo! All right. So the best heel of 1992, Archie?
2: I'm going to be going with Rick Rude this time around. Ravishing Rick Rude in 92. Battles with Steamboat, Rhodes, Sting... Wyndham, Pillman, and just all around his body of work in WCW, but ninety two especially. Mm-hmm. Rick Rude, in my opinion, was the best heel ever.
3: And I will set him at that emotion that that that's um emotion that Archie gave, because uh, that was my pick. Rick Rude in ninety two. Um part of me feels like the reason that it was so great was because when Rick went there, he wasn't just going there to go there. He was going there and to take over and to take over. And also he wanted to go there and, and basically give a fuck you to like Vince McMahon or Hulk. Yep. Yep. It, yep. I think, I think he wanted to go into that fucking company and be like, you know what? You guys don't think that I'm good enough to, to be the tippy top guy, I'm going to go in here and fucking show you what you lost. And ninety one, it, it,
2: he showed up, He showed that.
3: And 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 in ninety one, he showed up in like October, so he didn't have like right. a lot of time to do it. And but right. ninety two, man, that fucking he feud, exploded. that feud with him and
2: Steamboat and and whatnot. It's fucking fantastic. Beach Blast that match that match match gives me chills that they had at Beach Blast.
0: And what I will say on this, and he wasn't my pick, but he would definitely be up there for that year. Um, What I will also say on this is, I don't know, and and to what Aaron was kind of saying about Rude coming in, wanting to prove, look, I'm the fucking man, okay? This is is, Rick Rude's 91 to 93, 94 WCW run is the best of his career. Yep. And I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you, um, he here's where here's where it really comes down to it. Okay, not only the work in the ring, but I want I want everybody anybody that's an old school wrestling fan to go back look at Rick think about Rick Rude in Dallas. All right, he was in shape, but he was skinny with a big head. Okay, and then go to go to Rick Rude in the WWF. He was in shape. But he looked almost too in shape, if that makes sense. A little sickly.
2: He looked sick but in shape. I don't know what it was.
0: Rick Rude in WCW from 91 to 93, 94 was in the best real shape of his career. He looks so good. And he works
3: so good. And his character was different, too. Like his character wasn't like, mm, I'm gonna, like he did like the the hip twibble thing, right? Or, right. And the kiss and everything like that. Well, I mean, you got his character in WCW wasn't like, oh, I'm the sexiest. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he was like, I'm a sexy guy, but it wasn't like I'm the sexiest man in the. His character I'm, in WCW was, I'm a good looking dude, but I'm gonna beat your ass, right? So. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I am an ass kicking son of a bitch, and I'm not just some good-looking guy, I'm right. a fucking man.
2: You he, know left I mean? the dancer, he left the Chippendale dan- dancer into WWE, WWF, and he came here to be a badass, and he, he was. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he debuted at Halloween Havoc as the Halloween Havoc Phantom, and right from the get, he cut a promo and then went in the ring and beat somebody's ass in five minutes. So he was like Aaron said, he was there to prove Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan wrong, and he did. Kyle?
0: Best, best heel of 1992
1: Alright, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this by saying Yes, I agree that it's Rick Rude
3: Hey, good job Nate, who you
0: got? <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: kidding, buddy,
3: I'm kidding, buddy.
1: Hey, Hang on just a second But Rick Rude is still At the time, even though he's heel And he's a hated wrestler He's still like that cool You know, like still the fans You know, like, of course. the smart You want to talk about heel heel in my opinion, now, like I said, I'm preface this with saying I agree with Rick, right. Rick. I'm saying actual heel, heel people everyone fucking hates. It's fucking IRS.
2: Oh, it's that's not a horrible a, choice. That's a, uh,
0: I mean, it's a, it's an out of the box choice.
2: Right. Because, right. Think about it. Think about it. Because, like
1: with Rick Fruit, you still have those people cheering for him. You have the the fans that, you know, the ladies who loved him. His diehards, right? IRS is hated by everybody. Like all you fucking tax cheats and
0: was the tie. So my pick for heel was
2: definitely the tie. My
0: pick for best heel of ninety two. Personally, I'm a big fan of monster heels, so I gotta go with Vader. Mm, Okay. In ninety two, Vader had a really good year, and Vader to me, personally. Although there may at some points in their careers be monster heels that I, I guess I like better. The reason that I love Vader and Bam Bam as my two favorite monster heels ever is because they're monster heels who are even more of a monster because they can fucking wrestle. Right. You know what I mean? They can bring it in the ring. And I just think, you know, Vader had great matches with Sting in 92, Ron Simmons in 92, Um, Overall, just a great year. He's my pick for heel. Uh, It's a good pick. It's a good pick. Um, Now, here's what the Torch Readers said. Number three, my guy, Mr. Vader. Number two, Ric Flair. And number one, the consensus, I think, between Archie and Aaron, Rick Rude. Wins out 1992.
2: I'm three for three.
0: All right. Archie, who was the best baby face
2: of 1992? It, I in my opinion, there's no doubt it has to be Sting for 92. He had a great year. Sting was the flag bearer for WCW through and through. He was the next in line to take the belt off Flair, and then Flair left. And he got stuck with, you know, a feud with Lex Luger, which was still a good feud when Luger attacked him at the clash and hurt his leg. And then he had to wrestle Rick Rude for the United States title with a bum knee and, a, you know... But Sting was always the baby face in peril and the, the the uh main guy for WCW when it came to being a face. So
3: Aaron? That was my selection as well was Sting. Um and the reason being is that Sting <coughs> was the best baby face because like Archie said he was like the face of WCW. Right. You know, like WWE or WWF, like, Savage is great, you know, mm-hmm. 92, but they, they never um, completely got rid of, like, Hogan. You know what I mean? Right. Like, they right. never, right. like, pushed Hogan away, and Bret was up there and everything like that. But in WCW, it was, this is our guy, this is our guy. Sting, right. Sting, Sting, Sting. Like, to me, Sting was the premier babyface. In ninety two always- because it was it was him. You know what I mean? Like this. When they did a
2: Thunderdome now. or they needed an eight man team, it was always Team Sting. It was never anybody else taking the lead. So yeah. you know. Kyle. I'm gonna have to go with Sting as well. It
0: is a general consensus because I also went with Sting, and I almost went Savage. But then I kind of ex- fell, act- actually, as I was thinking about it, I actually felt Before I made my picks, I didn't even look. You know what I mean? I didn't want to look at the right. Torch Awards. Yeah. Because you, you want to think about it on your own and have your own thought process. Right. Um, you don't want to be influenced by what no. you see. But I'm anyway, finding
2: out now when you're telling me who, I, was, the, who was the winner. So I,
0: I, I kind of fell into the same thought you guys did in that. Although Randy oh. Randy was probably my personal favorite baby face of the year. Right. If I'm saying best baby face of the year, well fuck Sting as a baby face was pretty much the baby face right. of the company. You Until Hogan yeah.
2: got there, it was all Sting.
0: Yeah, so I definitely agree. So we a four for four, we're all a consensus. It was Sting. Let's see what the Torch Readers voted. Nineteen ninety two face of the year, number three, Randy Savage. Of course. Number two, Bret Hart. And number one, Sting. Ow. There you go. Sting, Sting swept it. <laughs> five for five between the four of us and the readers of The Torch in 1992 as best baby face of the year. Here we go. Next category, guys. Best TV show of 1992.
2: I was, tossed up, a, I was tossed up a little bit, but when it all came down to it in '92. 6:05 on Saturday night. WW Saturday night was the best show. From top to bottom for that one hour, and you wanted it to be longer actually, because you would always hate that they'd have to end at 7:05. But you'd wait for it, and then they'd give you a decent opener. They'd give you a couple of enhancement talents getting beaten by the bigger guys, the better guys. They'd give you a, a great promo leading you to next week's show about you know either the Rock and Roll Express for having a fight with you know, uh, whoever it was going to be, or Jim Cornette would have something to say. And then you'd get a classic main event of like an Arn Anderson taking on a Barry Windham and it was like perfect. It ended perfectly.
0: The only thing I would say that I dislike greatly about WCW Saturday night in 1992, Mm -hmm. I am absolutely positively not a fan of Rhubarb Jones. He's like one of my least favorite ring announcers. I hate ring. <laughs> Fuck so you! You're
2: more of a David Penzer guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll take I'll take David Pen. I'll take Justin Roberts over. Right, <laughs> John uh, Rhubarb Bobby. Jones, Jan Cena. I'll take that over. Right.
1: Kenny
2: Omega, cool. the <laughs> Wrestling Observer. Yep, wrestler of the millennium. And he, and he lives in North Carolina. I don't know why they say that during every entrance. He lives in North Carolina, like, so. Yeah.
0: Anyway, but, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Aaron, Saturday night, Saturday night was a good show. Aaron, your pick for television best TV show of ninety two.
3: Well, um, like I said, I am going to preface this that I never read any of the Torch Award things or whatever because honestly, I don't really care about Torch Award. I shouldn't right. say I don't care about Torch Awards. I I didn't want to be jaded, like Nate said. Right. But um, I've been going through, and, and 92 was fun because, like, I've been wa- – like, looking at these, I've been watching a lot of older stuff. And the older stuff I'm watching, I'm kind of into this year. And I found – so I've been watching, like, WCW Saturday Night, like Archie said. Right. I've been watching right. Superstars. I've been watching this stuff, and I found a thing on <laughs> YouTube that had – Every episode of this company, and out of everything, I went back and rewatched. The best show in 1992 was Smoky Mountain Wrestling. You fuckers! Okay. That was
0: my pick. Smoky okay, Mountain Wrestling is choice. also my pick for best show of '92. And I want to tell you guys something. All right. in In 1992 or 1993. This is this is I'm going to go off on it it's not a tangent it's just a side 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 story. Um Aaron and my grandmother used to live in Tennessee. All right. And every every year for 2 weeks in the summertime, we would go down and stay with our grandma. Okay? And I would be so excited because there was this weird I mean, I was, what, like maybe 13, 14 years old, if that. There was this weird pro wrestling program. Down there, that we couldn't get up in Ohio, and it was a Smoky Mountain wrestling thing. And when we were down there for those two weeks, I would watch as much Smoky Mountain wrestling as I could because it was cool as shit. And then I'd have to go home and I'd be like, Well, what's going to happen to Smoky Mountain wrestlers between now and next year? And it was <laughs> like, it was, But it was so cool, and it was just so different from everything we were seeing on TV then. Right. Because back then, I was a little kid, I didn't understand territory wrestling, I hadn't right. watched. You know all this old stuff from Georgia and all this stuff that I'm I'm very fluent on now. That is the best wrestling TV show of 1992. I agree with Aaron and and I just when I was thinking about these awards and stuff, I was I I just you know you get that nostalgic memory going in your head. But I was just like I remember being at Grandma's house watching Smoky Mountain wrestling, not knowing what the fuck I was watching, but knowing that it was
3: was really cool. (laughs) Yeah, and, and. and ninety two, like it gets better, and 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 honestly, if like we do the next time, you go, oh, what's the best show in ninety three? Guess what? I'm gonna tell you, it's fucking Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Like, <laughs> the Smoky, only reason- Mountain, Smoky Mountain was never bad, and I and I'm up into like I'm up into like almost in a ninety five, and it's stuff I it's stuff I'd never seen before. Like Nate said, it's like a regional promotion. And when it was going on, I hadn't seen it, but watching it now, um, I I thoroughly believe that if I would have been able to watch Smoky Mountain Wrestling in its entirety in '92, like I can sit on YouTube and watch it now, right? I would say I would tell you guys in 1992, Smoky <laughs> Mountain was the best wrestling company.
2: It, it, it was fantastic. See, that's the only reason it wasn't at the top of my list and i went with saturday night because i only started watching smoky mountain wrestling over the last couple of years so i didn't have it as a you know a wrestling show back then yeah had i had it back then i would have been all for it and see i and i understand that but
3: i wasn't trying to go with the
2: no 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 i know that
3: my childhood thoughts or whatever i'm going off what i watch now and well pretty I'm much a big kid aaron
4: i'm just I know, a big I understand kid. that
3: and, uh, <laughs> but like smoky mountain was great because it was it was just it it, it, it it's didn't try one on and it didn't attempt this might sound dumb i don't know but smoky mountain jim, Cor- jim Cornette's jim smoky mountain didn't try to pretend to be something that it wasn't right
0: Kyle, what was your pick for best TV show of 92?
1: I'm going to have to go off. Of
0: what
1: What's then. that? I'm going to go off of what I was watching back then. And mm-hmm. it's got prime wrestling.
0: Well, prime time was good in 92 also.
1: Yeah. Because, that, you know, th- like I said, 92 was kind of the year that I really started. 91, 92 was the years I started getting into wrestling because of my grandmother. And so mm-hmm. it's. I have these fond memories of watching primetime wrestling and stuff, you know, and honestly, you can say what you want to say about, you know, Saturday Night and Smoky Mountain, but, you know, I enjoyed the fact that, like, it broke up. They broke up the matches and stuff. You had the fucking hilarious shit between Monsoon and Heenan.
0: Well, and I was going to say, 92 was the year they started doing the round table where they had like Vince McMahon, Hillbilly Jim, Mr. Perfect, you right. know, and all those guys around the table. They even did the one night angle when Warrior quit to get to the Survivor Series with Mr. Perfect becoming. Who won't,
1: re- who won't forget? Yeah. When, I'll never forget Bobby Heenan walk out with the fucking WCW world title is mm-hmm. it the real world's champ you're like
2: what uh-huh? <laughs> yep as a kid as a kid all i kept saying is, it's really even though it was not, it all blurred out all i kept thinking as a kid oh my god it's the real title oh my god how are they doing this how is this happening <laughs> and then as an adult i read up on it and i was like oh so rick Flair just like took the belt with him i understand yeah. it's like fuck you this is my belt <laughs> so
0: here's what the torch readers voted best tv show of 92 number 3 wwf primetime wrestling number 2 wwf superstars of wrestling and number 1 guess what smoky mountain wrestling came wow. in number 1 with the torch readers in 1992
2: wow. that actually so, surprised me me too me. <laughs> damn cheaters what you were reading you read the the result no i'm just kidding. I'm only kidding. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Next category, 1992 Archie Match of the Year. And this is, again, where I said I was biased. Um, For me, it would have to be the 1992 Royal Rumble. The match in itself was star power after star power. There was nobody in that match that didn't deserve to be there. Uh, You had the feud going on between Randy Savage and Jake Roberts, so... When Savage got in the ring and he chased Jake out, you had Roddy Piper coming off fresh from the Intercontinental title match that he just won and having his feud, with a mini feud with Flair in the ring. Hogan and Sid Justice battling for power, who was the bigger name? And then Flair going from number three all the way to the world heavyweight title. It's it just it's per it's a perfect royal it's the best royal rumble oh yeah it's a perfect royal rumble you know that they could have put together one of the
1: cool one of the
3: coolest spots and it's not even, I shouldn't even say spot because there wasn't any like physical thing one of the coolest things they do in it is um, I don't even know if it was intentional it probably was because Pat Patterson was a fucking genius but. When Flair comes out as number three, DiBiase's leaving, and they and, yep, they, yep. and they and the, and DBS leaving, Flair's coming in, and they kind of look at each other. And they, I, you guys might disagree with this, but it's like DiBiase's walking out from being the top heel in the company. To
2: passing of the that, torch, that, yeah.
3: that symbolism was not lost on me. No, I, I thought that years ago. Yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah.
0: absolutely like,
3: DBOST was never the champ, but that whole time he was there, he was the top five. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh,
0: yeah.
3: And let's not and, forget. And, and, let's not I'm forget just glad that. I wasn't
1: the only person that ever saw, no, like, no. saw that. No, it's noticeable. This is cop. one of my favorite Bobby Heenan things of all time. But he's like, Piper, I.
0: Oh God, it's fantastic! It's
1: it's a kill. It's not a skirt. It's not a skirt. It's a kill. Then he turns around. And he's like, "Why are you no good skirt, skirt wearing?" <laughs>
3: <laughs> I love when Flair comes out. He's just like, "God damn it! God damn it! God damn it!" And Monsoon's like, "Nobody's ever won the Royal Rumble that came out from one to nine w- through one through 5. And Bobby's just like, "God damn it! God it's damn it!" Like, Do you fair hear fair. what I said? I'm not listening to you, Monsoon.
2: <laughs> it's not fair to flare.
3: so aaron what was your pick for match of the year 92 yeah. mm-hmm. uh jusha Lyer versus brian pillman from super brawl wow
0: a fantastic match great match fantastic match um great match. and something what? something an eye-opening match for american wrestling fans at that point you know there there had been nothing like that on american soil probably since nope. dynamite kid and tiger mask
2: it's what made and, me a liger fan it's what made me want to watch more about more of liger that match starts out and nobody
3: in that building has any idea what's about to happen <laughs> and they're watching it and by the end of it Nobody's sitting down. Yeah, it's it's flawless, and even like, <clears throat> do you ever hear like a point where like you can tell like a commentator isn't just collecting his paycheck? Like every commentator is going to go out there and try to be like, "Oh, this is the greatest thing you've ever seen," you know that that's their job. But yeah, Jesse Ventura in that match as it's going, it's just like, Jesus Christ. Like, this is like, like if yeah. he could gets blamed, like, this is fucking fantastic. He would stand he's up. Lost and lost is fucking fat. Yeah. Like, fa-. yeah. like he's like, he's like this is, this is amazing. It's like, it's like,
0: with Jesse, with this, it's like when it's like when the spirit squad, screws Shawn Michaels and Jarrah's like, this is bullshit. Like he got lost in the story. Bullshit. You know?
3: <laughs> yeah. he just got caught up in it. And it's just, it's, it's a fucking clinic. It is. And if if anybody wants to talk about um how do I say it, like oh well you gotta have these you, you gotta have these spots and this that like you know like like you guys are talking about like choreographed matches and shit now or whatever. It's like why don't you sit down fucking Ray Phoenix and fucking Pac and be like, hey guys how about you watch what Brian Pillman and Jušin Liger did in '92, right? And instead of just doing what what fuck all that you're doing right now, watch what these guys did. Like Brian Pillman was able to do all this shit. Jušin Liger was able to do all this shit, and it looked believable. And they looked like fucking athletes when they did it. They didn't look like fucking gymnasts. Kyle, what is your vote for
0: match of the year for 1992?
1: We've heard a long time Vince McMahon isn't doesn't fully get behind until he truly really falls in love with them, and I think this match match that kind of started the whole shift. We need the big guys to be the main events. I think it's uh, Bulldog versus Bret Hart.
2: Very fantastic match. It is a good match.
0: Um, like. A- and, and then, you know what? Hey, the bull, the Bulldog was going to win the title whether he wanted to. Wanted or was, to or not. Yes. And he was high on Coke,
3: according to Brett in his book. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but what no, wonder, no. What a wonderful thing to say about your deceased brother in law in your book. I think he was high on Coke. Look, I'm, I don't mean to go off on a tangent here. No, in his
3: book, honestly, in his book, Brett says that Neidhart, he had been trying to call Davey to talk about the match he couldn't get a hold of him. And Nightheart finally called him. And. And Brett was like, "Hey, Neidhart, where, where, where's Davey?" And he goes, "Oh, he's been doing a bunch of but He's he's just been doing nothing but coke for the last month." And Brett's like, "How how do you know that?" And Neidhart's like, "Well, he's been doing it with me." <laughs> Brett, Brett <one> of
4: those-
0: <laughs> I love the honesty <laughs> that answer. He's been doing it with me. <laughs>
1: Brett's just one of those guys that no matter what. He's going to bitch.
3: <laughs> he is.
1: I'm serious. Mate. I know, but
3: that's one of my favorite wrestling stories. <laughs>
1: He's the kind of guy that if you gave him a cupcake, he'd be pissed because it is isn't fucking vanilla.
0: <laughs>
2: this cake was stale.
0: What am I supposed to do with this cupcake? <laughs> but no, I I agree that that match is, I
2: mean. No, it's, it's a great match. Absolutely Fantastic. Um, about
1: this in front of eighty thousand people, like
2: mm-hmm. in the Bulldogs' home country, crazy. It's just it's amazing to me that
1: that Summer doesn't get talked about more than it does, right? Because behind behind WrestleMania three, like that was their biggest fucking show to date.
0: Mm-hmm. My favorite match of nineteen ninety two my vote for match of the year is uh, Savage and Flair at WrestleMania eight. There's a, there's a big theme going through 92 for me and it involves Randy Savage. Uh, And I just, um, I love the match and, and, and you know what? I mean, and and I'm not, I'm not discrediting any match anybody else brought up because they're all fantastic matches with fantastic stories and that royal rumble, you know, i'm not even saying i mean christ, like i said it's the greatest royal rumble of all time, but savage and flair at wrestlemania 8 is and and i want anybody anybody here to tell me if you get what i'm saying or if i sound stupid. but the the wrestlemania 8 match between savage and flair Almost doesn't doesn't even feel like a WWF match, right? You know, d- does that what I'm saying make sense? Like it, it, it feels like a territory
2: match. The whole it feels like a territory
0: line, feud. It feels like a territory match. The it way is just that, raw. It's so raw. And I the love the way
2: it. that that feud popped up from Randy finishing his. And his it wasn't even supposed to happen. It right. wasn't even
0: supposed to happen.
2: Right. And now they're going with Justice versus Flair, versus Hogan instead of Flair versus Hogan, which was the payoff. And all of a sudden, Ric Flair decides to come out and say, "I slept with Miss Elizabeth." Didn't say it in a normal. He little. I have proof. Yes. The only mine. thing you're
0: going to see in those pictures, the only thing she's wearing in those pictures, is a staple in her belly. Right. Like talking about you know nude pictures of her. Right. Um, I just you know. like to me. That is this year, and that's why, man, it's just savage, savage, savage for me because everything would because Randy,
2: everything revolved around those two wrestlers.
0: And Randy, and 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 I definitely want Aaron's thought on this. And I know I'm I'm elaborating because go ahead. We, when we record this show, people. I drink, and as I drink, I get more wordy. But anyway, Randy in '92. In the WWF essentially got to be a territory worker. Because if you look, he had two real feuds in 92. I'm going to erase the Warrior thing. Even though he got a good match out of Warrior at SummerSlam in the middle of the year. He had that amazing feud with with Flair. And then he followed the year up or, or finished the year. And one of the greatest feuds they ever did with Roberts. And uh, Aaron, what do you think? Do you think I'm off base? Like, Randy just has oh, such I mean, a good year in 90s. And, and,
3: and um, they were feuds based in reality.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was it WWE. Was like didn't,
3: do, WWE yeah, it was didn't like, do a lot of feuds based in reality, it was they WWE and Territory they, they, Wrestling. They do feuds where. Earthquake smashed his snake and then made snake burgers out of it. And this, yeah. that, and the other thing. Or, you know, oh, this guy um, beat me up and cut my, I don't always just say cut my hair, but we just did like hair, but you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, right. would be, There would be things like that where, guy, okay. And in, in 92, Savage in, in 92 like- Randy Savage is great because you know what? If somebody told me that they, they fucked my wife, and told a bunch of people that they that they fucked my wife. I'd want to kick their ass too, right? Okay. Right. And then if somebody came to my wedding, fucked it all up, and then smacked my wife in the middle of the ring, right? I'd yeah. want to beat his fucking ass too. You know, well, like yeah, Randy so, has. Sorry, Randy, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I went
0: opposite there. I went opposite. I he he started the year with Jake, right, and then went into Flair. Yeah, I kind of well, went opposite there. What I
2: was going to interject is that if you think about it. Neither one of those feuds were planned. Jake and Undertaker were supposed to feud with Warrior. Because
4: mm-hmm.
2: it was the whole Jake teaching Warrior how to beat the Casket, And then Warrior left after that. So Jake and, and Undertaker went towards Savage. And, and if you want to watch some terrible the- shit, watch fucking
3: Snake trying to teach Ultimate Warrior how to do anything. <laughs> trash, man.
1: Here's what's in about 92 and my... They were doing coke, two, oh, Aaron. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You look at... You look at... Eight when, Ho, when Savage is, quote-unquote, the guy, but he's still behind Hulk. Right. 92, mm-hmm. looking Savage, I think, passed Hulk in popularity because people at 92 were like, all right, enough of this fucking Hulk-mania shit. Like, they started to really, you know...
2: But see, Hogan knew it, though, uh, uh, Kyle. But he refused to move out of the way of the main event. And if you think about it, when you look at modern day wrestling in the same regards, CM Punk being the Savage and John Cena being the Hogan at WrestleMania 29, it was Punk defending the world title in the fifth match and John Cena versus Rock for no title in the main event. So it plays itself out that Hogan refused to move out of the main event. So Savage said, well, you know what? Fuck it. It's WrestleMania. I'll make this the main event. And you know what? And, and I agree with you, but I think
1: uh, again, I I'm trying to fucking rationalize Vince McMahon, but I think right. <laughs> the, the thought process might have been at that time was we really fucking screwed the pooch at fucking WrestleMania eighteen. We should have had Rock versus uh Hogan go on last. This is well wow. this generation's, you know, Rock versus Hogan with Rock <sighs> Right, let's not put it on you know <laughs>
2: the but in uh, the biggest thing, all right, Wrestlemania eight to talk about it for a second, the biggest thing they were protecting by putting on Hogan last was that they knew Warrior was coming out to save Hogan. Yeah. that could have been done in the middle of the show. It didn't have to be at the ending, you know I would would have much rather seen Savage get hoisted up in the air with the world title than to see Hogan and Warrior celebrate
0: the torch readers for ninety two let's see what they picked, and I'm sorry.
2: that I got my
0: Savage Feuds backwards chronologically. You're you're fine. (laughs) Okay, I fixed it. (laughs) Thank you, Aaron. I knew what I was trying to say. But anyway, the Torch readers said number three for 92 was
3: the War Games match of
2: 1992. Okay. Was that Spring
3: Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance? Yes. That's fucking fantastic.
2: Number...
0: Number two was the Royal Rumble. Okay. And number one, Pillman and
2: Liger. Actually. Yeah. Nice one, Aaron. Nice one.
0: So, guys, let's go into our next to- our next uh, category here. Best feud
3: of ninety two. Hey, was St- Sting was the best baby face, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, I'm trying to pick how many I was right at. <laughs>
0: Aaron- Aaron's got to stroke his ego
2: right quick. I want to win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, best feud of 92, Archie, go. For me, it had to be Sting versus Vader. Those two signed a blood pack at the ending of '91 to have every match they possibly could against each other. Well, I and really they,
0: think I really think that, and I'm not trying to cut you off, but no, I really no, think no. that that um, a lot of people think that Sting is synonymous with Flair.
2: He's All not. Right? <laughs> I to agree me, with you, though. I know what you're saying.
0: No, but to me, I agree with you. I think Sting is synonymous with Vader in my brain.
2: Right. Like, in my
0: wrestling fandom, Sting is actually more synonymous with Vader than he is with Flair.
2: Well, because from 91 to 93, Flair was in WWF, so... Yeah, and Sting and from 91, yeah, that, you it's, know, it's essentially those, those guys. Years, <laughs> it was just Sting and Vader, and then you had Luger as the world champion, and every now and then he'd pass it on to somebody Simmons. Else. Ron Simmons. Ron was Simmons was in there. But the two main guys in WCW, you had the, the monster heel Vader and the flagship bearer of the company, Sting. And whether it was a strap match or those hokey Halloween Havoc spin the wheel make the deal, you know, picture videos or mm-hmm. they worked well together. And it shows because throughout their entire WCW career, it always went back to Sting and Vader.
3: Yeah, that. that. Burger King of Deathmatch or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron <laughs> what was, was like, fear. I was joking. Yes. What's your pick Aaron for best feud of 92? Um, we just elaborated on it a lot. Um, it's Ric Flair versus Randy Savage.
0: And that is a, no spoiler here. That is obviously my pick seeing as I've, you know, elaborated on it a lot in this show. Um, <laughs> that is definitely my pick for feud of the year. Kyle.
1: Uh, Vince McMahon versus Ultimate Warrior.
2: <laughs> Kyle goes for Backstage Feud of the Year.
0: Good shit, pal. <laughs> or maybe
2: yeah. bad shit.
0: Alright, so let's see what the Torch readers said. Best Are we going to pause this? after this one? We can. We can take a break. Yeah. Uh, best Feud of 1992. Number three, Vader and Sting. Uh, number two in the USWA, Jerry Lawler and Jeff Jarrett versus the Moondogs. If you haven't... Have, <laughs> no, stop it. If you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it, I'm a Memphis guy, but anyway, if you have like seen it,
3: but come on, really 92 is Memphis.
0: Uh. And number one, my boys, Ric Flair and Randy Savage. Oh, oh that's, that's another one I can
3: circle. Oh, <laughs>
0: So now I guess we will take a break. If everybody's okay with that, I guess. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I and when
0: when we return, we still have best pay per view, rising star, career tailspin, tag team, best promos, worst promos, most underutilized, and most overpushed of 1992. We'll try to make it under an hour. Jesus Christ. The We Can't Wrestle podcast will return after this.
1: Wait.
0: All right, wrestling fans. It is another three-parter in the Weekend Wrestle podcast. Nate, Aaron, Kyle, and Archie back with you discussing 1992 in professional wrestling. Here we go. We're the next topic. Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter awards best pay-per-view of 92 archie take it away
2: um again i told you guys that i have a biased uh, list and i went with the entire royal rumble 1992 pay-per-view
0: and, as well. and spoiler alert it is also mine um as much as i love wrestlemania that year the royal rumble kicks the year off in a way that um in the no WW Rumble. in the WWF and WCW any any promotion in the '90s it, it, for sure you'd never seen, and the Royal Rumble match is fantastic. the 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 card leading up to it is fantastic. Um,
2: yeah,
0: overall, I, mean, I
2: think I agree. You had guys on the on the lower card that weren't just there for a paycheck; they were literally there to make it a main event feel for the entire card. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, I, Jake the Snake and Piper feuding throughout the entire night leading into the match. Roddy Piper getting the feel-good moment of becoming the Intercontinental Champion and then going into the Royal Rumble and he cuts a promo and he's like, and I'm going to do something no one's ever done. I'm going to become a two-time champion in all in one night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then Flair's iconic promo At the end of the show, with a tear in my eye, is by far my favorite promo. I don't care what anybody says. I have two favorite promos in this world, and they're neck and neck. Flares with a tear in my eye, and Shane Douglas when he thrusts down the NWA title and tells every former champion that they can kiss his ass.
0: I don't want to leave 1992. But I would also put up Dusty Rhodes Hard Times
2: promo. No, well, no, no, that's in my heart. That, that's not a favorite. The Dusty Rhodes Hard Times is something I will quote to this day. You know, when I'm having a bad day, I put on the Hard Times promo. Give him a
3: watch and a kick in the butt.
2: Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, you get a piece
3: because uh, a, <laughs> a computer took your job. Yeah. How, how apropos that is for today. Yep. Um,
0: Kyle... You didn't. You didn't chime in there. What was your pick?
1: Royal Rumble, 1992.
0: All right, we're all in agreement. <laughs> so let's see what the pro wrestling torch readers thought in 1992. Best pay per view number three: Super Brawl. Number two: WrestleMania. And number one: God damn it! It's the Royal Rumble. So there Woo-hoo! you go. Want to circle another motherfucker? All right, guys. 1992.
2: Nate. This, well, go ahead, Kyle. Go ahead, Archie. You don't know what hard times is, Daddy. Hard <laughs> times is when some millennial tries to cancel Dr. Seuss, Daddy. <laughs> hard times. Hard Give me a watch.
3: Give me a watch. in a hat. Hard times is when somebody gives you a watch, kicks you in the butt, and tells you how to label your potato head. Right. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me tell you something,
0: baby.
1: No, no, no. Hold on. Hard times. Hey,
3: Pepe Le Pew. on <laughs> eBay.
1: <laughs>
3: Pepe Le Pew came out to this. He's so sweet.
0: <laughs> All right. Rising star of 1992.
2: Archie Mitchell. I had a few that I was jumbling with. I thought about Dustin Rhodes, but then I remembered that Dustin was already in WCW for a couple of years already. He, you know, got done with the WWF and went to WCW. For me, it was Mick Foley though. Cactus Jack, at, was, great poll.
0: He had a a fantastic match with Sting yes. at Beach Brawl in '92, and yes. was really starting to develop that Cactus Jack character.
2: Right, that crazy and, motif of him and Abdullah the Butcher fighting all over the arena all night long for no. What's, reason. In,
0: what's, the what's yeah. in the box? What's in the box? Um. And, and I'm not going to discount that at all. I, I think that's a great poll. Um, it
3: wasn't my pick. Um, I had to. Uh, Aaron, you're next, actually. Um, my rising star of 1992 was Stunning Steve Austin.
2: Good choice again.
3: Absolutely Very
2: good choice. Um, he was
3: Stunning Steve was was great. I shouldn't say great. Stunning Steve was 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 cool in in Texas. And, and Stunning Steve was cool in, like, 91 when he first got to WCW and he was with Lady Blossom and everything like that and was, like, the T—like, at the time, he was, like, the longest-reigning TV champion and everything like that. But in, like, 92, Steve um, obviously became a different performer when he became when he became Stone Cold and Nate you and I have talked about this and there's it's like the tales of two Steve Austins you know definitely but in 92 in 92 Steve was fucking killing it man and and was doing fantastic work with like Dustin and Steamboat and just fucking yep drilling it all all night long he had a couple
2: of great matches with Shane Douglas too because they were trading the tag title you know they were involved in yeah. the tag team you know, feud and everything. Mm-hmm. Steve yeah. was just on a tear. Steve was a rising star. In Without a doubt.
3: Kyle?
1: The one, the only, Eric <laughs> You're
3: fired. Log off. Have a good night.
1: No. <laughs> Razor Ramon.
3: What's
0: that?
2: Razor Ramon. Good Razor pick?
0: Ramon. Early in his
2: career, but he was definitely rising.
0: Um definitely. And and he got the he was Scott Hall was so good that he was one of those few guys that got immediately thrust into the main events. You know, because I mean they saw it, you know. I mean, in reality, Scott Hall had been around since fucking 85. Right. You know, but Absolutely. The, the the gimmick, the character really kind of coming into his own, um, defining himself.
2: You know what uh, I've realized over the last couple of years too, Nate? What's that? Razor Ramon, the gimmick, was not that much different than the diamond stud. Oh no, no. Except he spoke. That was the Ex- only difference. Except Vince McMahon knew how to use it. Right. He actually knew how he told him to go out there and cut a
0: promo.
1: And
0: he cut a promo. Hey, yo, I cut a promo. You know. um,
1: I fucking love when he's in that fucking restaurant. And they're like, was this the bill? He's like, I should have. Fuck it. Want me to bust my own table too? <laughs> it is good. It's so good. Um, um, Can I
3: say something about Scott real quick? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, you know how like, people talk about like, oh, if you were going to draw a professional wrestler. Okay like oh like hey somebody that doesn't necessarily watch professional wrestling draw me a professional wrestler they're going to draw you Scott Hall you know what i mean mm-hmm. like like Scott had the stature he had the size he had the uh, he he had the look of a professional wrestler uh, but what I'll go with what Kyle said, even though I'd still, Steve Scott's a good choice because Scott, not only was like what somebody that doesn't watch wrestling would think a wrestler looked like, but Scott was fucking fantastic. He was yeah. a great professional wrestler. Like Scott Hall doesn't get enough credit. I agree. For being like, like he gets enough credit for his charisma and his character and all that but Scott Hall the wrestler doesn't get enough credit for being the wrestler that he was. Right. In my mm-hmm. the I kind of had a tough time with this
0: one because I had two guys <clears throat> that were in my mind as I thought about it and so I'm going to say both and then I'll say who I picked ultimately. The first guy that I thought had was the biggest was one of the biggest rising stars of the year was brian pillman i think that that even though 89 90, he was you know he was he was there he was doing great things he was he was this young up-and-comer etc cetera, etc cetera. i think 92 he really came into his own and started developing he had time in with
3: steve a little bit on that
0: yeah as the star as a star as opposed to a really a guy a good hand you know what i mean But the guy I ultimately went with over Pillman for 92 as the rising star was Shawn Michaels. This was the year. Certainly coming into his own. Yeah, this was the year that he became the Heartbreak Kid. And, you know, he started out the year just having great matches with guys like Tito Santana and et cetera. And by the end of the year, he was the IC champ and had that, as Aaron alluded to earlier in the show, had that great match with Brett at uh, Survivor Series. So he was my pick. Let's see who the readers of The Torch picked. 1992 Rising Star. Number three, Two Cold Scorpio. That's a
2: good one. Not a bad choice.
0: Number two, at that point, I could see this, Brian Christopher. Okay. Yeah. And number one, I happen to be right this time, Shawn Michaels.
2: It makes sense for the timeline.
0: <clears throat> Those were the picks. All right. This one's interesting. I think this one's going to be fun. Career tailspin of 1992. Who was in a tailspin in 92, Archie? I, I'm going to get some heat for
2: this. Um, you might not. You never know. Right after he finished up his feud with, with Macho Man, he headed out the door and he headed for WCW. My oh, you're picking. And it's probably mine. I am picking Jake the Snake Roberts. I did, too. I feel that this is where he really started that downward turn and never recovered. He went from high profile feuds and always involved in a match that was just before the main event, if not the main event, whether he was face or heel, and he went to WCW. We got those Halloween havoc vignettes for the spin the wheel make the deal. And then he feuded with Sting and he was out the door again. All okay. right, okay.
3: that's it's actually mine. And and it's it's sad. Really, and it's and it's not how I would say like Jake's career tailspin was partially his fault, but not entirely his fault. Right. If if Bill Watts would have been able to, um, and I don't even want to blame Bill Watts entirely, but if Bill Watts would have been able to look past possibly his personal dislike for jake roberts right and use jake roberts to his full potential it could have been so much better oh yeah but at the end of the day i also understand that bill watts was probably looking at jake roberts and was like i know your personal track right Mm -hmm. that you're not a you're not a reliable human being you know Kyle, the ultimate warrior, a
0: good, a good pick,
2: a good pick. Definitely. Um, He did.
0: He he did start his the only fans in 92 when he came out at SummerSlam looking naked. But anyway,
1: this is it. This, this is when I think the first thing, the fucking rose with this guy.
0: As a matter of fact, this is when the root died.
1: (laughs) Probably. I mean, yeah, granted, they brought him back in 96 and 98, but it just, like, this was his, probably his one chance to fucking regain anything from WrestleMania Six. Yep. And it just shits the bed. I mean, you know, think about it, because not only do you have this big jacked up steroid guy, the Ultimate Warrior comes out with the face paint and everything else, on WCW, we have Sting, who's doing it better. Right. Two like I said, you start to see the changing of the guard. Because two mm-hmm. Hogan's out, Warrior's out. It's now Sean Brett, and Brett and Razor and right.
0: you are you're speaking to me, Warrior. Um My pick I guess I kinda went very deep on this. But um Attendance is down. Popularity of pro wrestling on a on a national basis that with not with fans like us, but with mainstream fans is nil, you know. The bottom's kind of fallen out to the point where WWF's looking to expand into Europe and stuff because that's where shit's still popular. Oh, uh, Vince? No. Hulk Hogan. Um he he decides early in the year as hogan he master politician hulk hogan's like business is down brother i want to do a retirement angle <laughs> you know like hogan sees the writing on the wall <laughs> he's not the draw he once was so i'm going to do a retirement angle and i'll come back when when uh the sun comes
2: up right um Oh, and when you put the belt on somebody that could actually lead the company. like Yeah,
0: yeah, I'll come back and then beat him for it. And that didn't work out for him either. But anyway, (laughs) I I give it to Hogan. Like, I think 92 is is finally the, and, and, you know, we can fast fast forward to 96 when he reinvented himself. Right. But to me, from 92 to to when he turned Hollywood Hogan, Hogan was just another, you know, just another guy. He wasn't a key
1: factor. Look look at 94 when he goes to WCW it's kind of a cool thing for like the first month or two.
0: And then it becomes, but then, uh, but then yeah, they, Hulk, they,
2: Hulk, Hulk, who do you want to work with? Can I work with everybody I worked with from like 87 to like 91? Yeah. yeah.
3: The reason Hulk. I would, the reason I wouldn't say it's a career tailspin. Well, Is we're talking the, in, in the that,
0: context. We're talking in the context of that year though. Like we don't yeah, know the future.
3: No, I'm still saying that. The reason I wouldn't say it's a career tailspin is because he was still making Hulk Hogan fucking money. Right. He was still Jake disappeared
2: paid. until like Jake, 95. Jake,
3: Jake went to WCW and had a multi-million dollar contract when he went there. And then Bill Watts took over. And, and I, Bill and, Watts said, and, you're not worth this. I'm going to pay you $500 a match. And, and Bill Watts gave him the Archie
0: Mitchell deal with cheeseburgers. Yeah, you're right.
3: Yeah. And, and, hey. and that's why, that's why I'd say it's it, it, was, it, it, <laughs> wasn't, it wasn't a career tailspin <laughs> for Hogan. It was a creative tailspin for Hogan, if that makes here's, sense. Here's,
2: here's the thing. Again, I'll argue Aaron's point, too. Hogan still stayed in the mainstream. He was still at WrestleMania. He was still went to WCW Jake disappeared for like 3 years after his WCW Right stay. You know, he was well, out of like the limelight.
3: H- Hogan Hogan wasn't eating fucking water burgers in a goddamn right. ditch. Right. <laughs> Jake was in the in the ditch
0: going what's a burger? Um the whole whole so, Warrior What was that on my
3: jacket? Chocolate Here's what the of, uh, here's
0: here's what the readers of the <laughs> voted in 1992 career tailspin have, number three Hulk Hogan.
1: I got that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> number three Hulk Hogan. Number two, Ron Simmons. Wow, really? Well, I mean, if you think about it, in '92. He Ron went from,
3: in a little bit.
0: Yeah, he went from world champ. The problem with Ron was they never. Okay, Bill Watts.
3: Bill wanted to go with him, but
0: he didn't have anybody to give him. Let's be honest about Bill Watts. Bill Watts is a racist, but Bill Watts is a money racist. But no, I'm. I'm. And, you know, Bill. Bill Watts is a racist, but he's like, well, we're down south in Alabama, so we we better have a black champion. So anyway, Bill Watts never got behind Ron Simmons 100% as champion. He made Simmons champion because he knew that it would draw in the markets he wanted to draw in, but he still focused on Sting. So Ron Simmons, unfortunately, as fucking -fucking fan-fucking-tastic as Ron Simmons is, as a world champion, he got to defend against...
3: Mid card heels.
2: That's what I just, what I just said. One second. They barbarian. made Ron
3: the chant. They made Ron the chant, but they didn't give him anybody. They gave him barbarian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's
1: not I a knock on barbarian. barbarian.
3: I love barbarian.
1: I'm gonna play devil's advocate real quick for, okay. for Ron Simmons sting thing. <laughs> I'm not saying that fucking Bill Watts isn't a fucking old racist,
0: but he is, and he was, and I'm, he always will be.
1: I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is. If you have Ron Simmons and you have Sting, and you look at the money you're paying Sting, you're going to be like, well, fuck, we're paying him all this money. We better fucking use him.
0: Or you could tell him, like Jake Roberts, you're 500 a week and a cheeseburger. Yeah, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate yeah, to your was... devil's advocate.
1: I think that's the problem. Mm. It's,
0: it's, I... I have a The dumb problem question. is Kyle, we are both devil's advocates.
2: <laughs> I have I have a dumb question that I, I can't remember. I can't believe I forgot this. Who did Simmons lose the world title to? Vader. Was it Vader? Okay. Yep. Yeah, uh, he to from Vader he lost, Vader. Beat, he lost beat Vader Vader.
0: He beat Vader for the title in front of a black audience. And then Vader beat him for, for a title in front of a white audience. And there you go. There's Bill oh. the Watts booking, ladies and gentlemen.
2: All right, Um, so who was
0: number one? (laughs) Number one, and and actually, when I thought about it, this isn't a bad pick by the readers of The Torch, Tailspin of of 1992, Owen Hart.
2: Wow. Owen really wasn't doing anything before 92, though.
0: But no, no, before 92 he was seen as like a Brian Pillman type where he was an up-and-coming rising star. And then by the time you get into 92, and this is no hate on Coco, but by 92, Coco was, eh, you know, past his prime. He gets saddled with Coco and pajama pants, and then he gets uh, tobacco spit in his face by Skinner at WrestleMania. And just overall, I, I can't disagree I mean, I disagree with who's number one, but Owen really did have a career tailspin in 90. I guess. I guess. All right, guys. Tag Team of the Year, 1992. Archie?
2: For me, I'm a huge Dangerous Alliance fan, and it had to be Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco. Okay. They were... I believe they were known as the Enforcers, uh, as the tag team name. Mm-hmm. And they played off of each other so well. Uh, Arn being the the brutish, you know, enforcer and Zabisco being the chicken shit heel. But with a good background as a brawler. And, I mean, they were a great tag team. I think they were three-time tag team champions. Feuds with uh, Scorpio and Bagwell. Uh, Ricky and Shane Douglas. Uh, and Ricky Steamboat. Uh, Dustin and Barry Windham. And then they were interchangeable with Bobby Eaton every now and then, too. So, kind of made them a great tag team. They called Larry, call Larry the Cruncher. Yes. The Cruncher. The Cruncher. He, he broke Barry Windham's hand in the door.
3: Yeah. Which that's funny because they, they, they pull up to that event and, like, mm-hmm. Bishop's waiting to interview him. And then fucking Barry's, Barry and <laughs> fucking Dustin pull up in this Porsche and Barry's yep. going to get out, and fucking Larry kicks the door and crushes
2: Barry's hand. No, Arne like, ah. Arn Arn grabs his hand, pulls it forward, and then here comes Lizabisco and goes crunch. So he's yeah. also and like
3: crushes his hand. But yep. then Dustin's like, ah, shit. And then he just like kind of jumps from the passenger seat <laughs> to the, like, the driver's seat and just looks at Bishaw. I was like, we got to go to the hospital. And he drives away. And Larry me- and Eric's just like, all right.
0: <laughs> that gave me a great idea. What? What? <clears throat> when we have a really good show, we won't be the pro wrestling porch. We'll be the pro wrestling porch. But anyway, okay. I was going back to earlier on the show when I fucked up, Aaron. Ayo. What was your um, favorite tag team of '92?
3: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you my favorite tag team, but I'm also gonna tell you what Arn that I heard through several shoot interviews. Used to call Larry Zabisco when they were the tag when they were a tag team. Do you know what he called Larry Zabisco? What? He used to call him the the cigar store Indian. Why? Because Arn said he would be out there bumping and doing everything, and Larry just stood on the corner doing nothing. <laughs> cigar not store right. Indian.
2: That's funny. But <laughs> <laughs> right, so choice.
3: My best tag team of 1992 is the Steiner Brothers.
0: Agreed. Spoiler alert. Agreed.
3: The it, Steiner's you had... You, you don't get much better than Rick and Scott. From 89 to 93, you get nothing better than
0: Rick and Scott. And hey, listen, in 92, you have Rick and Scott versus Dr. Death and Terry Gordy. Holy shit. That's, those are the best tag matches of that year. Hands down, end of story. Just just four guys beating the fuck out of each other. Like, we talked about it earlier when we talked about the match of the week. Real, like wrestling looking real and looking like a fight. At this time, in this era, nobody did that better than the Steiners in tag team wrestling.
1: Mine, mine is also the Steiner Brothers, so I'm the odd man out. If okay. nothing else, if nothing, you else, are <laughs> because if you want to talk about wrestling tag teams and and everything else, because we're going, <clears throat> we're not talking about the future. We're talking about this year. Exactly. The fact is, in November 1992, they signed with the World Wrestling Federation. Mm-hmm. Everything they've done with WCW up to this point, and now they're going to the Big Show.
0: And getting totally misused, but that's a whole nother show.
1: Again, like I said, that's the future. We don't know that. We just <clears throat> at, at this point in ninety two, it's like holy shit, the Steiner brothers are going to the World Wrestling Federation, like. Mm-hmm.
0: So. And then at Royal Rumble ninety three, they almost kill Blake Beverly. <laughs> 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 All right, so let's see what the viewer, or the viewers, the readers of the Torch voted. In ninety two. Number three, you were almost there, Archie. Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton. Ah. Number two
1: quick, I'm sorry. Bobby Eaton doesn't get enough love. No. I agree.
0: God no. I agree. Bobby, Bobby Eaton is okay, you know how they say Ric Flair could wrestle with a broom and have a good match? Bobby Eaton could tag with a broomstick and have a good tag team. Yeah. Um so number two in the tag team of the year for 92, the Steiners. Oh. <laughs>
2: Should
0: have been number one. I want to circle something. Number one, and I mentioned them earlier as in this conversation. <laughs> Steve Steve Williams and Terry Gordy.
2: It makes sense. They they were big in Japan, and when they came into WCW, they were on a tear. So
0: all right. Best promos of 92,
2: Mm -hmm. Archie. I talked about it earlier. Best promo of 1992, Ric Flair's Royal Rumble promo.
0: And he consistently had the best promos of 92, so I voted for him as well.
2: Yep. I did as well. Same here.
0: So we don't have to debate that much. Best promos, number two or number three, and I will totally agree with this Cactus Jack. Mm hmm. I just said earlier he was kind of coming into his finally like like getting those get fitting into those shoes, you know, with the Cactus Jack character in 92 number 2 Jim Cornette and number 1 Rick Flair. 1992
2: worst promos. Archie Um anything Hulk Hogan um, that's what I wrote down. Anything Hulk Hogan. Okay, brother. I, I just—I'll be honest with you. As a kid, I guess it was—I was giddy. It's Hulk Hogan. He's doing his shtick, whatever. As an adult, when I look back at 1992, it was the same damn promo every night. Whether he was talking about Sid, Ric Flair, or Macho Man, he, they were interchangeable. You just had to switch the name.
0: Well, and that's kind of where I, what I was getting at with the tailspin thing, with the career tailspin thing. You know, he was, he was, it was getting stale. You know, I agree. In, you know, eighty-five through eighty-nine-ish, maybe ninety. Maybe, maybe exiting the feud with Slaughter. You know, his right. his his Hulk Hogan stick worked, and um. I didn't put them as my worst promos, but I will def. I definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah, it was just because it was just getting so stale. You know, it was, it was the same. It was the same insert heel name here yep.
2: promo, and, and then and then say your prayers, take your vitamins. What you gonna do, brother? And drink you your know? milk. <laughs>
0: yeah, Aaron, worst promos in '92, Virgil. <laughs>
3: That guy was fucking hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> he said nothing that made sense. Twenty he bucks made, a promo, too legit to quit. Uh, um, Virgil cutting a promo made um, Brutus Beefcake look like Buddy Rogers. He was fucking garbage. Like he 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 cutting he he. I've never seen. Virgil do a promo that was good. <laughs> Never in my entire life. Nope. But in 92, it was the absolute worst because they let him do like two of them on fucking primetime or superstars. Like Virgil was like they 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 he was fucking garbage. Human Kyle? garbage. <laughs> Fuck Virgil. I'm
1: going to have to go with Ultimate Warrior.
3: You should have went with Virgil.
1: <laughs> At least Virgil was somehow what, coherent.
4: <laughs> I love it. Like the-
2: <laughs> I'm speechless.
0: <laughs> so I don't Virgil. know what to say.
2: I, poor Virgil, if you listen to this, uh, this uh, show.
0: Am I Uh am I
3: if, if My, Virgil's listening to this and if Virgil is a oh, member yeah. of our Facebook group, oh, please yeah. unsubscribe <laughs> and stop listening. <laughs> My vote was for Van Hammer. Oh. <laughs> he was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: was not pretty
3: bad. He, he was no, fucking he, terrible. He was terrible. He
0: was terrible. Always, always terrible. DD Page. That's that not was 92. No. I know. That's not 92. All right, let's see what the, uh, the readers of The Torch said. Worst promos, 92. Let's see here. Number three, Ooh, Van Hammer. <laughs> number two, Tony Atlas.
1: Yeah, figured it out.
0: And I number one, that. 92 worst promos,
2: Eric Watts. It should have been Virgil. You, you know, <laughs> Kyle mentioning him earlier totally threw me off my game. That I just didn't think of Eric Watts this time around. <laughs> All
0: right, we're down to two two topics. First is most underutilized in 1992.
2: Archie, I you know I, I again I I looked around at, at a list of, of wrestlers that there were in 1992. Couple popped up, uh, one of them being Brian Pillman, who we mentioned earlier. Um, another one in, for the WWF side of things was Owen Hart, who was mentioned earlier as well. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, Dustin Rhodes was underutilized and should have been pushed a little harder. He 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 busted his ass, plain and simple. They they could have put him in there with anybody, and he gave a great match every time. Uh, was a fantastic tag team wrestler with Ricky Steamboat and uh, Barry Windham. Uh, I, I love the the way that when Windham comes back from injury, they kind of like sh- shooed Ricky away. Um, but yeah, Dustin Rhodes has got my vote. Um, uh,
3: and and that, I can that's see a good that, Jordan Nate, Nate um, not, uh, I'll, I'll tell mine in a minute, but hasn't there been like, shoots out there with like Bruce Pritchard and a couple of people where they said in like 92 they thought about bringing Dustin in to fucking work with Hogan.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I don't, I don't remember the specifics but I definitely remember hearing that. Yes. Because he's a big boy and he can
3: work and
0: mm-hmm. whatnot. But and then um, shit went south with Hogan because
2: he had the career tailspin at yeah, 92. <laughs> Hogan, Hogan would have shit on him anyway. It wouldn't have mattered. He wouldn't have given him anything. Um, It'd have been hard so, times for Dustin Rhodes. Buddy. So, this is most
3: underused of 92? Yes. Um, my most underused of 92 is Haku. Hmm. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. Yes, it is. I know. That's why I picked him. I think <laughs> um, he could have been a good bruiser and like. Maybe, like, got a good, like, intercontinental title fee. He could have done a lot of good shit with the guy. And, 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 like, Haku, I could put Haku on my list for a lot of years up until, like, he became Mang and they put him in WCW. And then they actually kind of started doing shit with him in WCW. I think, I think Haku is a super super underutilized wrestler through his entire career.
2: I agree with you on that. Uh, you know, when he was in WCW as Ming, um, he didn't have to be in the Dungeon of Doom or with the Barbarian again. They could have just let him be, you know, the monster heel that he was, but they had to saddle him, I guess, with a tag team partner. Mm-hmm. for lack Which of I love above.
3: the Faces of Fear, don't?
2: Like, oh, yeah, Faces no, no. of Fear I love is him, fucking man. awesome. I love him, but my point is Haku could have been a, a monstrous... United States or World Television Champion, an unstoppable yeah. heel. He didn't need a tag team partner. Thank God he had one that actually, you know, was great with him, Barbarian. But as Haku in the WWF, with Bobby Heenan, he was awesome.
3: Yeah. And like I said, I think in like ninety two they could have done I I honestly think like a Bret Hart Haku intercontinental
2: title feud would have, have been fucking that. great. How about a singles feud with Davy Boy? Yeah, anything. No title involved. Anything. Like these guys, be off great. on each other. Yeah. So that's my choice,
1: Kyle. guess I don't know. You might. Hopefully, you see where I'm coming from
2: with this. But you say Eric Watts again?
1: No. <laughs> In 1992 underutilized Scott Morton.
2: Okay, not a bad choice. Not a bad choice. I've always been a he, fan of god morton he is he is that
1: holdover of that old school what pro wrestler used to be and granted like i said he was he was with new japan and stuff and he was coming over for wcw but still it's like can you imagine if they had put some shit behind him
0: he he was yeah, oh yeah. He was Scott Norton is to singles wrestling what the Steiners are to tag team wrestling, if that makes sense. In this time, in this time frame, he had the potential to be um that badass guy you put in matches with with a Steve Williams or a Terry Gordy or or who have you. And <laughs> and, and maybe not necessarily a world's champion, but most definitely like a US or a TV champion. Definitely. Uh, yeah. He yeah. could have been a WWF guy, too. Oh, absolutely. Let's be honest. Absolutely. That fucking
3: chest and
0: fucking goddamn.
3: <laughs> that guy was... I think he might have even, even been on my list to, like, you know, when we were talking about, like, guys that never worked for the WWF. Like, why didn't this guy work for the WWF? I think
2: Norton was on my list. Mm-hmm. Like, Norton...
1: Oh, he's such a badass.
2: How he never had any title in WCW is beyond me. How he never made it to the WWF is beyond well, me. Well, that too. That's what I just said. He was When <laughs> he was with Buff Bagwell, they could have been <laughs> tag team champions and a series contender yeah. or put him with anybody. He was with Ice Train. They could have been a tag. They were feuding with the Steiner brothers, for God's sakes. Yeah. You know, it just made no sense. It's like they let him be who he was, but yet they also let him get squashed by the Giant three or four times. You know?
0: I I kind of had I had two again this is back to my <clears throat> kind of tie with Michaels and Pillman but I kind of had two this year in the most underutilized in 92 one of them was Bobby Eaton um because I think even though you he, Bobby Eaton was never fantastic on the mic okay he was he was he was a simple promo guy but that didn't matter because if you could find someone to put with Bobby Eaton, like like Cornette, like fucking Teddy Long, I don't care. Put put a mouthpiece with Bobby Eaton right. and then have them brag about he's the best wrestler in this business. Again, maybe not a world champion, but you could put, I mean, and, and they put him with, with Pauly.
3: Well, so when they I, say about, like, Bobby, he'd be like, what'd you do, buddy? Like, like that's how <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I,
2: I listened but, to a shoot interview with Cornette once about him walking out of WCW, him and Stan Lane. And Bobby walks up to Corny and he's like, I want to go with you. And Cornette looks at him and goes, Dude, you still have a year left on your contract. And yeah, 250000 <laughs> a year. Don't actually, leave. what they do,
3: what they do, what, what Cornette said was that Stan and Corny were like, We're quitting. Right. Done. Man. Wow. Bobby's like, I'll go with you. Let's go. And, and, and all, he is, all he sees is Bobby, all he sees is Stan and is Corny picking up their bags. And Bobby's like, "What do What do we doing? Where and are we go? Like, we, we just quit." And he goes, "All right, uh, I'll go with you." And they're like, "No, buddy, you got to Bobby shit. had you a stick. year
2: left. Bobby had a year left, and it was a two hundred and fifty thousand dollars contract. Why would you leave?
1: <laughs> you know, to stay. Surprising Jericho when he left for fucking WWF. Ralph was like, What are we going to New York?" Right? what are we going to New York? <laughs> They're just like, "How the fuck does he know fucking New York?" <laughs> Bobby,
0: Bobby was my runner-up for the year, but actually, okay. my my underutilized of the year was what the Torch readers apparently picked as the career tailspin of the year, and that was Owen Hart. Owen Hart. Wow. Okay. Um, I was with Owen too. I had him. I was jungling him. He he should have he should have been in the mix
2: much sooner than he was. He didn't have to be going for a title either. He could have just been in a good feud, not yes. with Skinner. Yes, not with Skinner. Can I can
3: I say this? I know we're not supposed to look at this with like hindsight or whatever. Oh, go ahead. But I'm I'm, I'm glad he wasn't. I'm really glad he wasn't. Because? Because, say you put Owen Hart in 1992 as babyface Owen Hart, and they try to push him, and it doesn't work. I don't think that Vince McMahon has the... um, thought process of, okay, let's go with him. Let's try it. I think I, I think it wouldn't have worked in 92 and I think Vince would have said, why would we go with him in 93? He was a failure earlier. Right. So I'm kind of glad
2: they didn't. That's a good point. He might have ended up being fired for all we know mm-hmm. and ended up in WCW.
3: Right. Yeah. So thank God it didn't happen. He would have been feuding with Eric Watts. <laughs>
0: So yep. here's, what the, here's what the Torch Readers decided were the most underutilized in 92. Number three is one that, um, had I looked at this before, again, that's why I don't look at them before, right. I make my picks. Had I looked at this, I probably would have thrust him above Owen. And that is our friend Raven, Scotty Flamingo, um, underutilized. Um, what about
2: me? What about one, the flamingo? Uh,
0: just what I mean, just one of my favorites, you know, oh, yeah. just promos and, and attitude. And at this time, that Scotty Flamingo character was amazing. Oh yeah, Scotty um, was cool. Yeah, I mean, just overall, just misused. Um, number two, Arn Anderson. Okay. And number one, I don't agree with this. By this time, he's fallen out of my graces. I'm sorry. Terry Taylor. <laughs> yeah, that's not under... There's no... No. Like, if we were talking about 1989 in the WWF... Or 90. Even 90.
2: Even yeah. 90 in the WCW. When he went back to WCW. You know. It, no. Why? Why? That's underused? What? He's underused because he can't do anything anymore. <laughs> They've run out of, of things to give him. I've never seen the, the,
1: the appeal of Terry Taylor.
0: Ever Not, dude, seriously, no. I, and I'm gonna I'm going to No,
2: yeah.
0: I'm gonna be pretentious here, Kyle. I'm gonna be pretentious. Terry Taylor you, was
2: fantastic in the ring. If
0: you've if you've never seen the potential in Terry Taylor, I want you to hop on YouTube or WWE Network before it gets peacocked in the butt and watch Terry Taylor in mid South in like 85, 86, right. even 87. Then you'll see what I'm saying about potential because that dude at that time was, and and you guys, everybody can virtually slap me if you want to, but if he would have been used properly from that moment on, <clears throat> he could have been as big as Bret Hart. He was that fucking good.
1: I'll go back and look.
0: But anyway, our our final category, if you will, for 1992 is most over pushed. (laughs) 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 And Kyle had a robber baron laugh there. (laughs) Archie, what's your your pick for most over pushed?
2: Well, let me tell you something, brother. Hulk so? Hogan was overpushed in 1992. Yes, but
0: I mean, the he, only, fact, he only lasted four months into the year.
2: Yeah, and in that four months, he stole the main event from Flair and Savage. Right. He he acted like a total heel when he got pushed out of the Royal Rumble and pulled Sid out. Uh, and basically, he did the same old, boring, tired shit.
0: And that is a
3: valid point. Aaron, uh, I'm going to go with the human clump Virgil. <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't really? like Virgil Steve, you didn't like yeah. Virgil's Virgil,
2: music? In 92. You
3: didn't
0: like Virgil's music? I could see 91. Cause that's when he was pushed with DiBiase, but 92, by the time 92 came around at WrestleMania, he was an eight man
3: tag. Right. And Summer that was Slam, more than that the was, nails. That was more than he deserved. It was more than he deserved. And this piece of shit was like on every superstars. He was, like, superstars. This he was too clump, legit to this, quit. Well, this, this clump was on every superstars. Clump. Okay. Clump. This clump was on <laughs> every superstars. Every single superstars, this clump had a match with a job. And he was <laughs> able to cut a fucking promo. And Sean Mooney was like, oh, welcome to the event center. Let's see what the human clump. Virgil has to say, and then they go to this stupid shitty promo with this piece of shit, and then he'd cut his shitty promo, and then they make us watch a shitty match, and they were trying to make you think that Virgil was something that he wasn't, and he was a piece of shit. He sucks. Nate,
0: Virgil Nate, just Nate. sucks. And, Nate. and Vince McMahon was like, That's a good clump, pal. <laughs>
2: Nate. Fuck that clump. When's when I know it just passed? When's Aaron's birthday again? March third, March third. Okay, I know what I'm getting him for for his birthday next year. Oh, better not be a clump. <laughs> no, it's it's going to be the Cam Virgil's cameo. What is it's going to be a, a
3: Virgil elite.
2: No, i <laughs> him I'm getting him a cameo video from Virgil with his nut hanging out. You you should make a clump. Hey, hey look, look at out, my clump. They <laughs> go put a Virgil <laughs> and put a Virgil head on it. Put look a, at my clump, Aaron. <laughs> I promise you, there will be multiple Virgil gifts coming to Aaron on his birthday.
3: Virgil was overpushed
2: in ninety. Okay, if you say so, I'm not Fuck arguing the point with you. Fuck that guy, <laughs>
0: Kyle. Overpushed, nineteen
1: ninety two. I might be in the, uh, I might be in the, uh, the minority here, but uh, sit justice. Okay you had a guy that wasn't ready Mm. and they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing this guy to the point where people got sick of it. I don't know if it was so much it was Hogan, because had you had the right opponent for Hogan, i.e. maybe Flair or even Savage, maybe things would be different, but I curse you, (laughs) Hogan but I understand the point. I understand the the appeal of Sid Justice, of of fucking Psycho Sid. I get it. But they just pushed it. it... He hadn't fully found himself.
0: I don't don't know that he ever did. But but what I will tell you is the most that I was ever a fan of Sid was in 1997. Mm -hmm. And... And I, I actually dug him in '95 with the feud with Sean.
3: but say- I will. Ag-
0: I, I'm going to agree with Kyle, and I'm. 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 You know what, Kyle? You changed my mind. I'm still going to say who I picked, but you changed my mind. Yes, he was not ready to main event WrestleMania
3: yet. Can I say this? Sure. Um, this.
4: <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> All right. Um.
3: Then. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Vince McMahon, Vin, and I, I'm not even going to say the WWE. Vince McMahon is the only person that ever knew exactly how to use submission. Oh yeah, that's absolutely true. I agree yes. with that. Yes, like, like we Vince have like, this, the we have this big fucking monster as much has as no as... fucking idea how to talk as much like, as like, much like, as Vince McMahon as much as
0: Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan found their synergy and created uh the probably second biggest boom in wrestling history besides Austin, I agree with you, Aaron Sid to me is what Vince McMahon visualizes
3: as a professional wrestler yeah and then and yeah. then he got him. And he was like, I think he's kind of a mental midget. <laughs> and he can't speak. So let's not call him a mental midget. Let's just say he's psycho. So yeah. when he speaks improper, we'll just say, oh, no, he's not. God, that guy's that guy's crazy. He, he's not a re-re. <laughs> he's crazy. He's cray-cray. You know, he's cray-cray-sid. He's psycho. He has no idea what he's saying
2: because he's insane. You are half the man that I am, and I have half the brain, <laughs> brain that, that you, you have. <laughs> you know, when you read when you look back at that promo and you see the look of astonishment on Sid's face after he delivers the line, you realize he, he first one second he goes, Damn, I fucked up.
0: What no the Nash it,
2: is on this is keeling over in the rain.
0: It, I just, I just picture Sid like nervous farting in the
3: ring. <laughs> um, no, let's be honest, or when he fucks up and he looks at Jim Ross and he goes, "Can we do that again?" And Jim's like,
2: "No, oh, we're, we're live, we're
3: live, pal, we're live, pal." Um,
0: Kyle changed my mind. I agree now with Sid. So However,
2: cray cray, but really a re <laughs> Right, yeah, cray
0: cray re re cray cray re Um... My original pick, though, just to put it out there,
2: was Van Hammer. Okay, man, the Maxon uh, boys have been hating on Van Hammer all week. Uh, the well, we oh, hate Van man. Hammer. Trash.
0: No, we. Well, yeah, Van Hammer's <laughs> garbage. Uh, if he like, came on the show, the only, on thing, show, me, the only if thing he worse came than... on the show, like most guests, Archie, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I would be like, "Oh, this is a show. I'm political. I'm a host. All right, sir, <laughs> you really, you really were." Good in one match in the ring, so let's talk <laughs> about that match for a half hour. If Van Hammer came on the show, I'd be like, what's up, you fucking trash bag? <laughs> you yeah, no good fucking piece of shit. Who, but anyway, told, you?
2: who t- told you you were good enough to join the flock? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. you fucking idiot. It, anyway. I, I have a question. Wait a minute. I have a really, <laughs> a really funny question.
0: But hold on, hold on. Let me finish what? just one second. Go ahead. I'll wrap it up. Um, which is what I that, wish
3: Van, Van Hammer's dad would have done <laughs>
0: <laughs> the reason that I am curtailing to Kyle even though I think that any push for Van Hammer was an overpush is that I don't think even though I am a fan and I do like him the reason I will agree with Kyle that Sid was overpushed in 92 is that As good as I think that he could be as a monster heel and as much as I liked him he was not ready for the main event of fucking Wrestlemania.
1: Yep.
0: So there you go. That puts it over the top. Although I originally picked Van Hammer I agree with Kyle it's Sid. So let's see what the Torch Readers said and then Kyle or Archie you can finish your thought. Okay.
3: Number number three.
0: Number three, I do Give not. Number three, I do not agree with at all.
2: Because I, I am a mark for this guy, Tatanka. Wow. How the hell did they say he was over? How do you? How can you over push somebody who's only been in the, in the company a year? Well, not, and he's really that. He's so good. Well, see, yeah, I'm I like not.
3: I, I'm not gonna discount that I like Tatanka, but I can understand it at that time i can understand at that time in 92 people were getting sick of gimmicks and they were getting sick of the cartoon and Tataka was kind of cartoonish i can yes. see i can see that number 2 was van hammer
0: okay yeah number 1 and <laughs> once you. once okay. no once i read this i was like oh that might be the winner Number one overpushed, nineteen ninety two. Eric Watts. Wow.
2: Wow. Yeah. Kyle had it right all along when he said it earlier. <laughs> can I say
3: this about Eric Watts? You can say it
2: if it's negative. He <laughs> he
3: I'm going to say this. I'm I'm, I'm seriously going to say this about Eric Watts. If they would have called him Eric. Williams, he still would have sucked. People wouldn't have hated him as much. Yeah, but he
2: still would have sucked. But he still would have sucked. He sucked. He, he was terrible. terrible. He now, wasn't terrible. He on was to terrible. Onto on my Van
0: Hammer question. Absolutely terrible. He was fucking terrible. He, okay. Aaron... He wasn't, he wasn't. It is, it is. No, listen, it is. He he wasn't Van Hammer bad. No, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. One B, Eric Watts. One A, Angelo Mosca Jr.
3: Nah. yeah, (laughs) yeah, all right, Angelo Mosca Jr. He, was a, he wasn't as bad as Virgil.
4: Mm.
2: Yes, he was. I, gotta, I disagree. Eric did Watts is fucking a, terrible. Eric Watts didn't know how to throw a dropkick properly. I
3: I, I'm not even trying to tell you guys that Eric Watts was good. Eric Watts couldn't throw a sandbag proper, properly. Can I'm I just trying to Van tell Damme you guys that Eric Watts wasn't good. I'm trying to tell you he wasn't as bad as Virgil. That's <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to tell you. All right.
2: On from on to my Van Hammer question.
3: Yes. Virgil, Virgil can't even spell STF. (laughs) And Eric Watts can't do
2: an STF. He can at least spell it. All right. (laughs) Van Hammer feuded with Cactus Jack and Abdullah the Butcher. Kinda. In the early 90s. When he joined the flock, did anybody do what I did and say? You still fucking work here? Like <laughs> nobody saw Van Hammer for like three years up until he joined the flock.
3: Well,
0: and you then on, did, you, did know. you
2: know? Did you know that he was
3: supposed to be private stash and not major stash? Yeah, and yeah, when the, they the, told him that this, he was in action, private, he was going to be private stash. He thought that he did. He told he told him that he didn't think that his rank in in the MIA should be so low. Uh-huh. so they were did like. Did oh, the pun? We'll you Major Stash. Then.
2: Did he not realize the pun of him being the private stash? Because it was a stash. Of yeah. course he didn't,
0: because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> okay, come look. on, come on to the show. Van Hammer, is he dead? I
3: don't
2: know. No, I don't think he might,
0: is. Might no, he's in jail
3: Aaron, though. Because he, he got might have to
0: play an Aaron dead or alive. Is he Van dead? Hammer
3: Van Hammer's not dead, but hold did. on, I'll he, check. He
0: no, he's not dead.
3: I'm but checking. He did, he, he did, did time. Something. He's he's doing time because of his private stash. <laughs> no, he did. <laughs> uh, Van ha- Van Hammer did something terrible that I don't want to talk about on the show because oh, it, it, buck, because like, it buck, caused harm, it, it caused harm. It caused harm to other people, and is I'm it not, not going to make off of terrible. No, no, but he okay. he he did something that I'm not going to make light of.
2: That's fine. Uh, he's I'm alive and 61 years old. But he sure. did a
3: try he, he did something stupid that I'm not gonna make light of because it's not funny wave
1: no, there. Okay. Aaron, Nate I don't I got a question for you. Sure. And because uh, like we're gonna be wrapping it up here. I just I gotta know as much as all of our fans gotta know.
4: <laughs> Ooh.
1: Van Hammer Kenny Omega. They both have they the same archive.
2: Yeah, they kinda look alike.
0: Van Hammer, Kenny Omega.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Van Hammer offends me less than Kenny Omega.
1: Okay. Now we know.
0: Because Van Hammer did shitty things in the ring. Looked really bad. Look, looked really bad in the ring.
1: But he never wrestled a blow up doll.
0: No, girl he girl. didn't and, and and that's what I was about to say. We talked about it earlier during the match of the week. whether shitty or not, at least it looked like a fight. When yeah. Kenny Omega goes in the ring, it looks choreographed. Kenny Omega, okay, Van Hammer is really bad professional wrestler, okay. Kenny Omega is really bad in Michael Jackson's Thriller video. Um, thank you Kenny. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I mean and he probably would. Yeah. Or at least, you know, one of his wrestling opponents. Aaron, Archie and I had a great exchange this week, guys, yes. behind the scenes. Yes. Archie, Archie was going to send me something that I won in World Championship Customs. By the way, if yes. you haven't joined that group yet, why the fuck? And he not? was joking with me that he sent me a Kenny Omega uh, 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 mystery box instead. And uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't remember what I asked was in it. <laughs> it
2: was, it was French fry shaped in Kenny Omega's hair and a ketchup face. It was, uh, ramen it was noodles, something, it was something ramen noodles. like that. It was jazz I think finger I finger gloves. I think it's a like blow up dolls yeah, and it was a blow up doll. Jazz <laughs> finger gloves it was the whole whole nine yards. I've got it on pro wrestling teams for 39 Sparklers.
0: 99. I put sparklers, sparklers in there too. Yes. yes. Fuck All Kenny right. Omega. You know what? Van Hammer greater than sign, <laughs> Kenny Omega. Fuck you, Kenny Omega, you piece Eric, of
2: shit. How many did you have correctly?
0: How many did I have
3: correctly?
2: Yes. Oh, Archie and Aaron
0: are still doing their gimmick. Sorry, folks.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's still real to me, Dad. <laughs> Civilized people are speaking. I love it. And I'm supposed to be the, the host. <laughs> Civilized people are speaking. I had one, two, three, four, five,
2: six. Damn it. We tied. I had six as well. Nate, how many did you have (laughs) right? He doesn't fucking know. I don't know.
0: I'm busy producing this shit. Oh, okay. (laughs) I I really don't know. I wasn't keeping track. I know. I'm only only joking. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I had
3: six. I had six. But we all know Virgil is the worst.
2: (laughs) i don't know that for sure you got to prove it to me on paper (laughs) who's
3: that oh right there it's on paper
2: virgil (laughs) yeah
3: so i proved it on paper
2: all right so the name of this week's episode is virgil's the worst
3: (laughs) did i win winner winner chicken dinner
2: What's Not going buying on right here? Why is Nate
3: on here twice? <laughs> I don't know. Don't I'm worry scared.
2: about it. Oh, echoes. <clears throat> All right, take <throat> this home, <throat> Nate.
1: All right, well, quick. So that way we can have a winner between Aaron and Archie. We're going to play a quick game.
2: Okay. Okay. So... <clears throat>
1: Virgil has won the best gimmick and a food of the year in what year? Never
2: <laughs> ninety one. Nope. Okay. I don't want to play your stupid game. <laughs> <laughs> like
3: where where are you pulling
2: this from, Kyle? Observer Newsletter. Oh, I'm going to say 98 in WCW. Hold on, hold
3: on, hold on. Let me ask the question again.
1: Okay. Ask the question again. All right. In what year, according to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, did Virgil win
2: Best Gimmick and Feud of the Year? I'm going to say 98 or 99. Whenever the West Texas Rednecks had their feud with the No Limit Soldiers. 96. 98.
1: 96.
3: Winner. Because he was in the NWL. Yep. Uh,
2: You got me again, Maxim.
1: According (laughs) to the Observer newsletter, 96. I would
2: have beaten you this week if it wasn't for your friend with his Wendy's You know what that means? What?
0: Michael Wall Street also (laughs) won that award. Yes.
2: Which means the Observer's
3: trash. (laughs) Nobody
2: should read it. That's why we go with the porch.
3: Because it's it's written by us. (laughs) That's why we go with the porch. (laughs) I love it. All right,
0: folks. Aaron, give
3: your parting words for this week. Give my what? Your parting words for this week. I didn't stutter. Um, I didn't hear you, though. Um, (laughs) My parting words are that I'm the winner, winner chicken dinner. And (laughs) I've enjoyed this show. And if you people have it, Um, sucks to be you. (laughs) <laughs> and I still think that Greg is a piece of shit. <laughs> okay.
0: If you didn't listen to Reliving the Extreme this week, did you guys listen yet, Kyle Larchie?
2: Yep. Uh, I haven't listened just yet.
0: Oh, okay. So I'm not who Greg he, is. You know, he's, <laughs> a he's a, to to to, he's he's a piece
4: to of to shit. He's a piece of shit.
0: Okay, and we're trying to, go to, to sign sleep. off here. Hey, Aaron, stop. We're trying to sign off here, I know. But Archie, you have to hear this. Okay. And listeners of We Can't Wrestle, if you're not listening to Reliving the Extreme, go now. Go now. ECW's Chad Austin and myself, we are talking about ECW from the beginning to the end, week over week. But anyway, this week I shared listener feedback. We had someone that said he really liked the chemistry of the, the hosts and was enjoying following along. We actually had a guy that said that he was listening along now, longer than he ever had watching ECW because watching along with us was getting him through it in the beginning. Okay. okay. But my, fa- my favorite one and Aaron's least favorite one <laughs> was this guy named Greg who uh, kind of addressed his his letter or his response or his feedback to Chad, and he said, Chad Austin, (laughs) oh, Greg, ditch the co-hosts. They're atrocious. (laughs) Oh, God. I read it, and I laughed my fucking ass off, and I was like, the minute I read it, I was like, Aaron needs to hear this.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, fuck you, Greg. <laughs> Greg's a That's garbage old. person.
2: He's, he's, a him, he's a clump. Him and Virgil, Eric Watts, and Van Hammer all need to go. Clumps. <laughs> Plump clumps. Plump, the clumps Star Yeti Murphy and, and Virgil. <laughs> and, Greg. and Greg. And Greg. It's uh, the combos. Oh. Okay. Out. Oh, yes. Your parting words. Thank you all for joining us this evening. We always enjoy having you guys here listening to us and uh, watching along when we do match reviews. Thank you to all of our people who put in match reviews uh, because a lot of these have been great matches. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is just just a quick announcement. uh, With the um, moving of NXT to Tuesday nights uh, on the USA Network, um, living in the war. Uh, here in We Can't Wrestle podcast on Facebook will be uh, gone because if there's no Wednesday night shows, then there's no war going on. (laughs) AEW1? AEW1. So Trolley Trivia will probably make its way to... uh, That's Not Wrestling along with Nate Maxson when I can join him on Sunday nights. And we'll bring on a guest and try and get them to uh, answer some questions. And I want to say this. It is now the
0: um, weekly skirmish. But I want to say, just real quick, before I give Kyle his parting words and we sign off, I've always thought this Wednesday Wednesday Night War was bullshit. I agree. And here's why I say that. For every time you AEW marks, or you, Brian Alvarez have put up the ratings. AEW beat NXT by X amount, a thousand of viewers or whatever. That's because AEW can be watched. What? One time live on TNT, right? Right. NXT can then be watched on WWE network by a company that has its own network. Right. Right. The next day, or DVR'd like people do. It's it's that simple. And well. and that's a fair point. But my thing is, I think that a lot of people watch AEW live because that's the way they can watch it, right? And then they watch NXT the
2: next day because they know it's going to be on the network, right? And nobody wants to stay up till two in the morning watching wrestling on a on a Wednesday night because they got to be at work the next day. So exactly, they watch so, it the next day.
0: AEW hasn't won the war because they're better. NXT is the right. best wrestling show on TV right now. I will stand by that all day long. AEW won because they are lame and don't have another outlet.
2: Well, not only that. They won because people are choosing to watch the live show first because they know they can get NXT taped somewhere else. But exactly. also, But also, this is not the Monday Night Wars in the mid-90s when you had to pick and choose because you only had a VCR. And there was no rerun for Raw at all. And uh, Nitro used to come on at 12.30 at night on Monday night. This is not the same. This is much different. Absolutely. And ratings, Nate will back me up here, because he told me that during a show a couple of months ago. Ratings really don't mean anything anymore when it comes to the numbers. Nope. I watch AEW on... Illegal
0: <laughs> streaming. streaming apps, so do I. I don't, even, I don't even have cable, I just I only have internet,
2: so right. I can't watch AEW live. Right. That's, that's, why, that's why Nate and I aren't Nielsen families. <laughs> 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 Rating, ratings
1: don't mean anything, but you know what does mean something? Heading on over to the asylumwrestlingstore.com right now because this Saturday is going to be Dustin Rhodes.
2: Yeah, baby. Call him the natural. Then
1: followed up by Brett the Hitman Hart. Goddamn. They got Chris Emmy, Kelly Kelly, Mark Merrow, Darby Allen. Uh, who else? Eric Brooke Hogan. Brooke Hogan. Let me so tell you something, stories. sister.
0: Not In the asylum, while you are still chained by COVID... You can meet and greet and get your autographs from these these uh, wrestling stars in yeah, the and, in the and the six of them
3: six of them will sign their panties. <laughs> here's the cool thing.
1: one of them is probably Omega Darby Allen.
0: <laughs> if
3: you don't,
1: you don't
0: want Omega's coming,
1: if you don't want to do a live meet and greet and you just want something signed, they have you that. Can
2: still do it. Yep. Or if you don't want anything signed and you just want to talk to the talent, we can do that too. Absolutely. I mean, big names, guys. So head
1: on over there now, because I'm telling you, tickets are going to go, and they're going to go fast.
2: There are only 20 live meet and greets with Brent the Hitman Hart left. That means once those are sold out, you will not get to meet him virtually face-to-face and talk to him. I'm just going to say
1: this. Say this. When when they had Corey Wilson on, those sold out very quick. Yep. What happened with Kemi and Kelly Kelly?
2: Kyle speaks the truth.
0: Absolutely. And last and certainly not least, I want to end the show with three letters and no more elaboration. W N R. It's coming. And
2: um, it's going to be all over my- your face. <laughs> <laughs> new, 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 world order. We are taking over. We
0: are going to revolutionize things. We are going to change the game in wrestling, podcasting, and broadcasting um, this spring. And I'm again, like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm not going to say a lot now because I'm still finalizing things and, and working things out. But it's going to be a really big deal. So um, stay tuned. And that being said, thank you for joining us.